Coming to you live from Not the Dolby Theater, it's the Movie Change Up Podcast 2021 Award Season Preview. Uh, basically what we're going to do this episode is we got the award season coming out, so kind of the whole premise of this episode is we're going to be breaking down the movies pro- that we've seen that are probably going to get nominated. Some of them haven't come out yet, so some of the ones like Nightmare Alley we're not going to talk about, they haven't come out yet, we haven't seen them, we don't know what they're about. Uh, but a lot of them have come out. And we're going to talk about those. We're going to give you recommendations of, hey, these are the movies you should watch. So if you've been watching the Oscars the last few years and you're like, hey, you know, I enjoy watching the Oscars. I like seeing what wins, but I've never seen any of these movies. I didn't know any of these movies existed until Oscar night or maybe until the nominations. We're kind of here to give you a jump start on uh, what to watch. A lot of these movies, uh, because of COVID and whatnot, are currently streaming on apps you probably already have. So should be easy for you to get uh, a lot of these movies we're going to talk about today. Uh, but I will kick it over to Johnny. I think, like most of our podcasts, I think this is probably your idea for us to do this. So, kind of, what are your thoughts uh, overall this year in, in movies? Do you think it's been a good year for movies, a weak year for movies? I've seen just under 40 movies that have come out this year, not including, um, you know, like Judas and the Black Messiah is another one that we won't discuss today that's technically... 2021 but it was up for last year's oscars so we don't really have to discuss that for this year in terms of movies um but i think overall it's been a it's been a solid year i think i've seen a lot of the really good ones um recently basically i saw pig right when that came out and that was amazing and everything i saw after that was like fine up until like the last like month or so you know oscar season uh movies start coming out that are you know more interesting and more up my alley so yeah, I, I actually haven't seen a lot of the big blockbusters, I feel like, this year. But I think you guys have that mostly covered. Yeah, uh, Bobby, you kind of, of all of us, have mostly stuck to the blockbusters because of time and everything. So how do you feel about the uh, blockbuster situation this year? Yeah, it was it was an interesting year because usually I'm more in the boat of Johnny where I watch all the you know Oscar movies or all the small indies and stuff coming out. And just like like you said, because of time, um, and it actually was easier to make time to go to the theater for me than it is to like sit down and watch it at home. Um, it feels like, so yeah, the blockbusters, it's been a mix. Some were really good. Some were kind of disappointing, but, uh, there were some really good ones in there. And I think a couple of them that I saw are definitely going to be in the Oscar uh, conversation. Um, even if it's just for a couple categories, but you know, something like Dune is for sure something that could cross over into the awards talk and then one other one that johnny got about three minutes into i think uh could as well <laughs> all right and uh tristan you have you and johnny both have like more you you watch more of the obscure movies but i think you're more dialed into that arena so are there any kind of strange movies that maybe you wouldn't recommend so much to a general audience but that you think could get some big award nominations yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation. It's always interesting. You say, like, I'm dialed into that. And I kind of am, especially this year, I tried to be very dialed into, like, the Oscar predictions throughout the entire year. And there's always that question of, like, okay, is Spencer going to be too abstract for people to vote for a best picture? Is it going to be a very streamlined biopic? Is it not going to be? And that's kind of, like, the discussion going forward. So it's going to be really fun to see as those movies get wider released. Like, Spencer, for instance, is one that I loved and I think could potentially be a best picture nominee. But I do think it breaks a lot of the biopic kind of norms in a way that I think might make it hard for it to win a nomination. So it'll be pretty interesting to get through this conversation. And yeah, I want to talk about some stuff that maybe won't get Oscar love, but I think probably deserves some Oscar love like pig. We'll get through pig a little bit. Uh, but I also want to mention too, that back in September, 
I wrote a, I, I went through every single category of the whole Oscars and predicted who was going to get nominated and who was going to win. <laughs> uh, so I have like a pretty baseless prediction of list of all of the different categories and who I thought was going to get nominated back in September. So as we're going through, I'm going to be checking that and seeing if I had any really off the off the rails kind of predictions. You know, I was I was definitely uh, having some high hopes for Dear Evan Hansen at that point still. So yeah, didn't what, didn't pay out for that. What awards did you think Space Jam: A New Legacy had a chance at getting? <laughs> look, I mean, hopefully none. We'll, I mean, we'll look back and we'll we'll forget that movie ever existed, but it'll be on Joe's top ten probably. It's currently sitting at twenty four of the twenty five movies I've watched this year. So. <laughs> There is hope for me yet, but um, who knows? Suicide Squad won an Oscar, so anything's possible. Um, But yeah, um, I'll kick it off with uh, Johnny. Is there a movie that sticks out for you that you want to talk about, bring up? I mean, since we've mentioned it, um, we'll get right into it. Uh, Pig is one of the best movies I've seen, not only this year, but in the last few years. I I really enjoyed it. it's going to be right up there as my top movie of the year. It's like one or two right now. It's going to, you know, be switching, but I just thought it was an excellent film with Nicolas Cage. And it kind of, you know, you can go into it thinking it's going to be this revenge film or like Nick Cage doing John wick, because that's kind of what the trailer shows. Um, But honestly, it's just a, a really great movie about loss and grief and how different people deal with it and it's so well written and it's very emotional um it's like the john wick if you replaced all the action with you know human emotion and that's uh i really i don't know if it will get award love because it just didn't come out at the right time i think if it had come out in the last couple weeks people would really be pushing for it to uh you know be an oscar type movie but i hope it's not like uncut gems and doesn't get completely overlooked because nick cage's performance is easily going to be in the top five of the year no matter what else comes out um his performance outside of like a couple others i've seen his performance to me is like so far it's my favorite and i think it just stands so far above the rest of like most of the oscar type movies that are coming out that i've seen so that's the one that I really, I don't know. Like if I was doing predictions, I don't know if I'd say pig gets any, but I think that one, I just really hope it does. Um, and I know Joe watched it. I think today or last yeah, night, I, I know it. Kristen's seen it, but I don't think Bobby's seen it. No, I have not. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it last night and I agree with you as far as Nicholas Cage's performance to him so far of what I've seen. The only two that I feel like are even contenders are Nicholas Cage in pig and then will smith in the movie we'll talk about later king richard i haven't really seen anything else that makes me be like oh that should be an oscar nominee so hopefully it does get the love it deserves the writing's uh really great in it there's some great scenes especially the scene when he runs into his uh former chef employee uh was really I great love that. i saw so some much. people hating on it and felt it felt like it was in a different movie but i i loved it i thought it i thought it was great um I basically agree with everything you say. It's not quite as high on my list as it is on your. I have it at six, uh, but it's still fairly high. I think part of it was I w- went into it with the mindset of expecting more of like that John Wick style movie, and then when it wasn't, it just like surprised me. So I think when I go back and rewatch it, it's going to be a lot higher on my list, and I'm going to enjoy it a lot more the second time now that I know more of what I'm in for. Uh, yeah. But Tristan, you saw it as well, so I'll let you. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of Pig. For a while, it was my favorite movie of the year, and it was one that I just thought couldn't be beat, you know, and especially from a first-time director, someone that we, I was not on my radar in any way as a director to come out and have this big kind of smash with Nick Cage. And, and when you have Nick Cage in this kind of a role, it's easy to do that kind of, okay, it's Nick Cage. Give him, like, a chainsaw. Have him go crazy and kill, like, 100 guys and be covered in blood and yelling. And I probably would have loved that movie too. But this movie had the... the guts to not do that and to subvert that and to have Nick Cage who you you know can do that and who you think can do that and have him not do that in a very intentional way I think it was a really strong casting of Nick Cage and using our expectations of him and his work against him in a way <laughs> well not against him but sort of like against us and in favor of the movie so I think it was a great use of Nicolas Cage and I really think yeah I mentioned this John Wick but with emotions instead of guns you know it's like he's going around and uh, kind of retracing his life and similarly how John Wick had to like retrace his life for revenge. But in this case, it's much more like a personal uh, revenge. He's not necessarily going out and murdering all of these guys. It's, it's a much lower stakes kind of action, but it's nonetheless thrilling. So if you haven't seen Pig, I know it's for rent on streaming right now. If it's, I don't think it's streaming anywhere uh, for free. But yeah, you can, you can rent it on Amazon and on YouTube in the usual spots to rent stuff. So as of now, it's not streaming yet, but yeah, it's, it's number only, five on my list. It's only like seven ninety nine to buy on Amazon Prime, and it's yeah. like three ninety nine to rent it. So I'd recommend buying it because I think it's definitely worth re-watching. I can't wait to watch it again. I saw it once in theaters. Um, I haven't seen it since, but uh, it's tempting me. I'm going to have to watch it again soon. Um, but the... Uh, yeah, if you do want a Nicolas Cage movie that he goes crazy and has a chainsaw and has revenge, I recommend Mandy, another great Nicolas Cage performance. But it would have been really easy for Pig, like once they cast him, to just kind of make a knockoff type of uh, John Wick, Mandy-style script. And yeah, I agree. It was great casting, and it's probably the best performance of Nick Cage's career. And I know people kind of crap on him, and he does all these like strange movies and he'll just do whatever script is thrown at him. But he's been doing a lot of interesting stuff in the last few years and it kind of all culminated in this. So I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I, I think Bob, you'll really like it. Um, it also, yeah. I think it also affected me just the way it did because I work in restaurants and with food and I enjoy cooking. And if you're into that, like you'll be really into, into pig. So um that's my number one like recommendation if people haven't seen it i know it, like in the film community and stuff i think a lot of people know what it is but outside of that every time i tell someone you know oh pig is you know one of my favorite movies of the year they have no idea what i'm talking about but i had someone watch it at work i told him about it a long time ago and he came back the other day and was like oh my god i watched pig and i didn't know what i was going into but it was amazing i loved it so i i think it's a movie that everyone can enjoy um even though it's like a got the typical like indie artsy type of background or makes it makes it look that way um i think it's just a movie everyone will enjoy yeah i will say about your point of nicholas cage kind of having a resurgence and doing more interesting stuff i think uh 2018 or 2019 uh nicholas cage was in the most uh movies rated positive you know with a positive rating on rotten tomatoes of his career so He's kind of had a, his resurgence where he was in that whole era from basically like 2010 through like 2016, 2017, where he was only just doing garbage. So he's kind of mm -hmm. turned it around and is actually picking good projects now. 
As for Oscar potential, I'm not quite sure if I see Nick Cage walking away with a win here. Is not because I don't think he's pro- probably the best performance of the year, but I just don't necessarily feel the buzz around this, especially when it came out yeah. so early in the year. It's going to be hard to compete with, you know, King Richard that just came out and is getting huge amounts of buzz, and something like Tragedy of Macbeth that has Denzel Washington that hasn't come out yet, but has getting at least from like festival screenings a lot of really good acting buzz. I think he has potential for this to be like the beginning of his big cage chance you know like I, I can see this leading to an oscar win in a year or two but as of now this feels more like a putting him back in the mat performance and like a, here's an oscar performance from him yeah i i agree with all that so since we're talking about performances um is there anything that you guys have seen i mean outside of pig and nicholas cage what do you think uh we'll get into more movies but what do you think some of the leading candidates for best uh, actor are I, I this think, year from movies you've seen? I think to me it's the. I mean, obviously we have like what the tragedy of Macbeth and some of those movies, but I think it is. I think uh, Will Smith as King Richard is the big front runner right now. Yeah, I think so too, and I agree. After watching it, I, I think um, going into it, I didn't have super high expectations. I thought this would be another like seven pounds or concussion where will smith's trying to win an oscar but the movie's not very good it was really really good and i think that's going to help his chances because he was good in concussion but the movie itself is dull so i you know he didn't get nominated for it and uh this one though is going to get the buzz around it it has you know the staying power i think and it's hard to watch a movie with someone like will smith and have them disappear into a role and at first you just see, you know, oh, that's Will Smith with a beard. But by the end of it, like you are sucked into his character and you, you see him as, you know, Richard Williams. So yeah. I, I really loved his performance in that. The other one I'll throw out there, because I don't know if any of you have seen it. Um, I don't think this is going to get nominated because just like Pig, it's it's just not going to have the buzz. But Winston Duke in nine days should be nominated. He is on the same level as Nicolas Cage and Pig. He's incredible in it. Um, and the whole movie is him carrying it basically throughout. You have a lot of side characters and stuff, but he's in pretty much every single scene. And he is a mate. Like it's one of my favorite performances that I've seen. So I really hope that either Nicholas Cage or Winston Duke get some Oscar love, but I haven't heard any buzz around either of those for Oscar predictions or awards. And for I anyone, think there's a, I, I just... think there's a, a big shot for Angie Garfield as tick tick boom uh for the lead in that uh i think he really like transformed into that iconic uh writer and someone that we don't know a lot about in terms of like his mannerisms and the way he spoke he there's a lot not a lot of video of him out there publicly so to kind of take what is out there and to take what they were able to get from the family and kind of figure out the to bring this kind of legendary person to life who is who's been talked about so much in the broader community if you don't know tick tick boom is about John Larson, the, uh, and at this point in his life, a struggling artist who then went on to create Rent, one of a hugely iconic, one of the biggest Broadway musicals of all time, and then tragically died the night before it opened. And it went on to be one of the biggest musicals of all time. And it really kind of changed the way this music sounds in Broadway. And stuff like Hamilton owes a lot of debt to that musical that kind of introduced rock to Broadway and, and merged those sounds together in such a, in a more kind of youthful way. And I think this captures uh, the struggle of that artist specifically and like his moment, that moment in time of him struggling there. But I think it's also a very timeless 
tail that appeals to anyone at this point who's kind of like feeling like they're on the edge of giving up on what they want to do or they feel like, uh, you know, I can barely pay my bills, I can barely make rent and, you know, what is it? What is the struggle? What, what am I doing? And this is about that kind of struggle. It's about kind of like picking it up and moving on. And he's working on a musical that ultimately is not a huge success in his career. But we do know from like our hindsight that he goes on after this to make rent and to see like he struggles here and could give up, but he doesn't. And then he goes on from there to to make the, one of the biggest musical, musicals of all time. And I think Andrew Garfield embodies that performance really well. He sings the whole time. He learned to sing for this performance and he, it shows in the performance. So I think the movie and him were a big sleeper hit for me. One that wasn't really on my radar as an Oscar potential movie, but after watching it, I think could, could be one that wins people over. I, I agree. Having watched it, um, I think yesterday, and I'm not big on musicals typically, um, but, and I didn't love the music in it. And I don't think Tristan did either. The music's just fine in Tick, Tick, Boom, but Andrew Garfield's performance carries you through it and makes it enjoyable. So even if you're not really into musicals, you're not into the songs that are in it, I think you there's still a lot to enjoy because Andrew Garfield is just so entertaining throughout it. And, you you know, that's another guy. He sucks you into his performance and you don't really see him as Andrew Garfield, you know, mm-hmm. by the end of it for sure. Um, Bobby, anything? I know you've seen maybe the blockbusters, but any yeah. performances in the movies you've seen kind of stick out to you? Um, I mean, uh, as far as lead actor, I don't think anything that I saw is really going to be in contention. Um, but as far as maybe some supporting performances, I think maybe uh, Rebecca Ferguson in Dune could get some look. Uh, she's probably the standout, even though there's a lot of great performances in that movie. Uh, but not everyone has kind of a lot to do. She's like the main um, kind of side character in the movie, uh, supporting character. Um, the other one, uh, you know... I, again, it's the the performance. I think is better than the movie. It's not going to get a lot of look, but um, Emma Stone and Cruella was really good. Yeah, um, that's something that if they put it out in the awards, if they pushed it as an awards movie, like maybe it would get a little bit more look. But I'm not really sure that will. The one I want to bring up though, as far as because we we're just talking about Tick Tick Boom, um, that I think may end up getting overshadowed. Like when it came out, and I know you're not a big fan of the style of music, Johnny, but in the Heights. Um, when I saw it like that, that's a movie that, again, like if, if they put it out around the same t- time, like Oscar season, they could push it and that could maybe get some look, especially, um, best director, uh, because that, that's probably the strongest aspect of the movie to me is John M. Chu's directing. It's very stylish. Um, maybe even the costume design. Um, but the, for that one, as far as performances, I think it's more breakout stars that we're going to see more going forward. I think Anthony Ramos is a star in the making. Uh, we see, um, the actress that plays Nina, Leslie Grace, was cast as Batgirl. Uh, so we're going to see her. Um, and then Amanda, or uh, what's her name? The one that plays Vanessa uh, Barrera. She's, she's going to, I think, I think we're going to see all these kind of young actors coming up and maybe get breakout performances as far as Oscars go in the next, you know, five, six years. All right. Yeah. I made it about three minutes in uh, to In the Heights before I had to turn it off. So I was like optimistic. I saw Tick, Tick, Boom. And I was like, okay, I can watch a musical. Like, yeah. This might get Oscar, you know, uh, love. So let me let me check it out. And I I was almost immediately. Yeah, it's just it's very much a Broadway now. show, um, but that's why I think the directing is really well done. If you if you're gonna see any more of it, um, just kind of pay attention to how it's shot, basically. Especially a lot of the music scenes. If you just want to pick out a couple of like watch ninety six thousand. If you just want to watch a YouTube video, 
um, the the song ninety six thousand just numbers. That's probably the best shot scene. Mm-hmm. Um, other than a, a song later in the movie, that's kind of interesting where they kind of walk up a wall. But um, yeah, it, it's it's really well done for what it is. If but you definitely have to like that kind of uh, movie or Broadway yeah. shows for sure. I I'm think there's this... like the Hamilton style hip hop, and it's like the same mm-hmm. thing of like just kind of poorly done for children rap music i don't really like so i can't really do it but if it does get nominated i will check it out i will say i think tick tick boom would have been better with a different director because lin-manuel miranda is obviously behind in the heights but i don't think he's like a top tier director by any means and i think tick tick boom maybe would have stood out a little more uh if it was maybe like an actual movie director and not lin-manuel miranda doing i'm not sure Uh, that anyone else would have been able to capture Joe, uh, Larson quite as well as Manuel Miranda, who I think is kind of, in a similar way, revitalized the rock musical. And I think he he you need someone who has experienced that life of being a struggling Broadway artist that I think captured that so well. And I think Tick Tick Boom, while also, while being that is also a larger tribute to like Broadway as a whole, it has a ton of great cameos, a lot of like well known Broadway faces from across history in a lot of these sequences and. I really commended Lin-Manuel Miranda for his casting in that movie because he really, every single person in the movie practically, even down to like the smallest roles or people who worked on Broadway. And in a year where Broadway was closed for so long, I was really touched by seeing Lin-Manuel Miranda come in and kind of give everyone that chance to perform together and bring it to life, especially tributing such a such a figure of history who is tragically never got to see how big he really became. That's fair. I, I think for sure his involvement made it better, but I don't necessarily know, like if for a directorial debut, it was okay. There wasn't anything in it that really like stood out to me of like, oh yeah, like I can't wait to see what Lin-Manuel Miranda directs next. I know he's involved in soundtracks in a lot of movies. I love um, Moana and he's behind all the music in that. But as far as like standout like first time directors. I think we had a lot of that this year. Nine days was that pig was that um, even like movies that I don't know if the director did anything else, but lamb, I'd be interested in whatever Vladimir Johansson does next. I think that was his first uh, movie that I'm aware of. Now it looks like he has one more, but it's just two people and it's called union of the North it came out in 2017. But there are, uh, this year was a pretty good year for, either first-time directors or directors kind of putting themselves on the map. Joe, did you see anything that, uh, like, you are excited to see what that director does next? Obviously, we've already talked about Pig. Um, it's it's hard. Uh, I'm, I'd go with a movie that you guys both recommended to me, um, directors of that, and that's the directors of The Harder They Fall. They definitely have kind of their own style, unique take that I feel like the next thing that they come out with uh, you'd be able to watch it and be like, oh, that definitely feels like the same guys who directed The Harder They Fall. And if you don't know what that movie is, it's a, basic, it's a uh, Western. It's on Netflix right now, and uh, it's pretty much an all-black cast, and they took a lot of uh, black people who existed in that time period, in the Old West time period, and kind of had a fictionalized history of them all running into each other and interacting with each other. And it's, uh, it's a really good uh, revenge movie. So if you watch Pig and you're like, man, I really was hoping for a revenge movie and didn't get it, throw on The Harder They Fall and you'll get a fun kind of action revenge story. Yeah, James Samuel is the director of that. And that was another one. Um, first time director. 
uh, of like a full length film. And that one really stood out to me. That's, I, I think that's going to end up as my, like, it's going to be in my top five, right? I, when I first saw it, I was really high on it and I thought I liked it more than pig. And then when I kind of gave it time to breathe, I'm like, pig is a definitely better movie, but if you're just looking for like the most fun movie of the year so far, I know a lot of people really like suicide squad, but the heart of the fall is easily the most fun I've had watching a movie. Um, this year like you don't really need to think about much you can enjoy all the performances and um you know it's it's uh it's just a lot of fun and all the performances are great i mean the whole cast every single what i think it did well was it gave every single character their moment and gave every actor a chance to show you what they got like some westerns especially when you watch them it's all about the lead actor and maybe the villain and then you don't get a lot of those side characters um, to have like standout performances, but like every single person has their moment in this movie. I love, um, I've loved RJ. I think it's RJ Siler or I, I, think I'm it's Kyler. I don't think it's, I don't know if it's Kyler or Siler. It's one. Um, it's one of the two, but I thought he was amazing in, uh, um, me and Earl and the dying girl. And that has, you know, and he has, he's like the most fun character in, uh, in the heart of they fall. I really like him and Zazie beats. She's great in The Heart of They Fall, and she is another one that I would point to and hope that she gets Oscar love for nine days because I think she is definitely like she'll be in my personal top five supporting actress performances of the year. Uh, but I just don't know if that movie will get the push for it. But love Zazie Beats. Yeah. Another uh, director I'd probably pick is a movie we haven't really talked about yet. I don't know what his if he's directed much. It doesn't look like it, and that is uh, Michael Rianda, who directed uh, The Mitchells versus The Machines. And so the next animated, mm-hmm. I mean, I assume his next work will probably be animated. Uh, that will be, uh, you know, I'll definitely go check that out. And The Mitchells versus The Machines, it's an animated movie if, that's also on Netflix right now, I believe. And the plot is this family is going on the road trip to take their oldest daughter to college from Michigan to either California or, or yeah, California, California, Michigan, to California to take their oldest daughter to college. And there is a robot apocalypse and it's kind of this whole family kind of coming together and surviving. And it's that sounds like it'd be a very dark, dreary movie, but it's a really fun, you know, watch with the whole family adventure action animated comedy movie. Yeah, that's in my top five for sure. That's yeah, my be number three right there. now. I like that one quite a bit. Not quite in my top five or anything like that, but I had a really good time with it, and I thought it painted the family really well and gave them all really strong personalities. I thought their lead character was really interesting. She was kind of like a bit older than a typical like animated character. She's like a little kid, you know. She's going to college. She's trying to figure out like what she wants to do. She she's like a big film nerd too. So if you are a film nerd. I'm sure I'm assuming you're probably a film nerd if you're watching this podcast, but yeah, she's obsessed with movies and she wants to be a filmmaker and oh, her parents don't understand how good her her, her like dorky little films are. <laughs> so it's kind of a fun like misunderstood artist kind of character and I thought it was a really fun family adventure. So I had, I had a good time with it. And like they said, this premise could have been dark, but it also could have been like really dumb and cheesy and just for kids. Like it, but this movie I definitely feels like it is for the whole family and that's something that you can all watch and every character gets like a, a cool fun moment to do something cool and say something funny so even the mom and dad who are in some of these movies could be like one no dork characters who are just don't understand or, or never grow or 
anything like that. They change just as much as the main character does, and everyone in the, uh, the family has their own arc. So I think it's a great family film to watch. Yeah, when you watch the trailer for it, and it's got the family getting attacked in a mall by a giant robot Furby, you don't expect to go into it and to have as much heart as it does. And you know you always get that with some animated movies. Like, that's what they go for. They try to pull on the heartstrings in some moments. But I thought the Mitchells versus the Machines really balanced that super, super fun energy and the unique, like, creative little filmmaker stuff with the actual, like, family dynamics is, like, the best part of the actual uh, movie. So that's definitely, that's my favorite animated film since Spider-Verse. I know that wasn't that long ago, but those two stand out to me as like two of the best animated movies I've seen in a long, long time. And um, I'm glad to see like, and neither of them are Pixar movies. Like I feel like Pixar has been on the downturn. So you need some of these other animation studios or whatever else to come out with uh, some interesting stuff. So I like to see that. And also if you're an NBA fan, Blake Griffin has a small role in the movie as well. So. Mm-hmm. Speaking of NBA, no. <laughs> transition to Space, Space Jam. Yeah, I'm here to transition us to the movies that really matter. All right, let's talk about the important issues. <laughs> I have not seen Space Jam, and I don't. Oh, it's it. it's just it's just sad kind of to watch. It's just not good to me. Yeah, it's it's a lot of uh, advertisement for Warner Brothers properties and the game at the end doesn't matter because they changed the rules to not be basketball rules. So you don't, you aren't invested in the game. To me, the (laughs) the thing that doesn't make sense to me is how did the, uh, villains, right. Not take the powers of classic, like Warner brothers characters. It's just like random powers from the game. His son, uh, LeBron's son created. Like, why is it not like you're playing it? Why aren't the Looney Tunes playing against like Godzilla, Superman, Pennywise? Like, it would make way more sense. Prominent Warner Brothers characters instead of like if that's how you want to cameos and advertise your other sectors of Warner Brothers. Like, that's how I would have done it, and that feels like it would have made the most sense. Yeah, instead they're just like, I'm going to throw all the cameos in the background of this basketball game so that you can zoom in and see the Droogs. You know, (laughs) like. So let me let me ask you about something for Space Jam. The the first Space Jam movie is the same. You literally just described the first one, but it has an actual basketball game that's mm-hmm. half of the movie. But we liked it because we saw it when we were kids and it hit us at the right time. Do you think at least, like, obviously we're not the audience for this Space Jam, yeah. but if you were a kid and you went to see this one, does it have the same impact on, like, the I, next generation as, I, like, the other Space Jam like I think the original it does. One did so my uh, no. boss has a son that's like five or six years old, and he loves the new Space Jam. Like my boss talks about mm-hmm. how his son watches that movie every single day. So and like yeah. since since it got put out on Warner or HBO Max, he's watched it basically every single day. So oh, I think Lord. so I think it does have that same impact. I do think like you watch the original Space Jam, like it's not a great movie. Half half the runtime of the movie is the basketball game. The plot mm-hmm. makes no sense. Like I think that movie survives purely on nostalgia, and it works. And Bill but, Murray, but like it's yeah. not, it's not a well-made movie. There's a reason the director of it never went on to direct another movie again. And well, the only reason he was the director of that movie is because he shot the the whole the movie commercial. was written because there was a commercial, yeah, uh, for shoes with Marvin the Martian trying to steal 
Nikes or whatever, and then Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny get it back. So they just basically made they just gave a movie to that guy because yeah. of a commercial. But and if that movie, movie was is an advertisement. But if that movie was good and well made, other people would have been like, Hey, we want you to direct our movie and they just never did. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, I, I was tortured watching Space Jam too, to be honest. Me and Joe yeah, did a yeah, live yeah, watch. There of is it. a if you want my live reactions to the movie, Tristan and I did a live drink along to uh Space Jam and New Legacy the night it came out. Yeah, that was like one of those experiences where you're like, Do I even want to watch movies anymore? Like is it worth it? You know, like, like what is it worth what it? I doing to myself? Yeah. I know. It's 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 a it's an embodiment of everything I I fear for the future of cinema you know it's just pure ip just throwing recognizable things at you for with no context and not even using them in interesting ways like joe and bobby said like if they were to oh the team's made up of half warner brothers characters half like uh looney tunes and they have to learn to work together maybe like lebron is scattered throughout the warner brothers multiverse and he has to go look and find his son again kind of a thing they could have done so much to make that actually work into the plot somehow but all they did was have a montage of a bunch of characters, you know, in like a couple minute sequence. And then at the end had a bunch of party city CGI characters run around in these God awful interpretations of the characters providing the nightmares I've had ever since. Like the, the looks on some of those background characters faces, they want you to zoom in and look at them. But if you zoom in and look at them, you're, it's like horrifying. You're like, wh- wh- what is this? Who hired this person? Why, who told them to make that face? Was this just like a sock, sock video they put in here? Like, where do they find this? But yeah, very low effort. I hope I never have to talk about it again after this year is over. If I had my kid in there watching it every single day, I'd be like, you know what? Is it too early? Is it too late for adoption? You know, like you don't need them anymore. Yeah. To, so it might have that impact on on some kids. It's just it doesn't. I don't know. It just doesn't. Even watching the old Space Jam, I think that is even a better movie, even though that's not a good movie than this one. It at least has somewhat of a through line that makes sense the game's better the villains are better and more recognizable at least something there's something to it you um, get this the michael jordan stretching and... his arm out moment yeah like you this, get a this, few um... scenes that stand out and i don't think i've seen Bugs anything from this one like what <laughs> <laughs> like i don't what? care if you spoil it he doesn't really but he does he does and doesn't at the same time it's so it's weird he, he all of a sudden appears at the end in the real world because he's there like you know it, so <laughs> they kill bugs bunny and then he's just yeah, back I mean, again kind yeah, so, of. It's, so the yeah. I, I tweeted this out after watching the movie. The origin, it basically, it's NBA players fused with like these powers that his son creates in the video game, like a cell phone video game that his son makes, and like that's where they play the basketball is inside the video game his son makes, and because it has all these like weird rules and like their style, style points. points and all this shit, they should have fused NBA players with Warner Brothers characters, like I said, and these are the fusions I would have done. You could have had for your point guard, Damien Godzillard, which would have been amazing. Your shooting guard, Clayface Thompson. Mm-hmm. For your, uh, Justice League's in there. For your shooting forward, uh, maybe include a woman on here, so you have Harley Quindis Parker, and then your okay. po- power forward, Anthony Wise Davis, and your for your center, a Morton Joel Embiid. <laughs> Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, um, it's way better. So, 
<laughs> to get off Space Jam because yeah. we can't talk. Please. We can talk Wait, about we Space talk... Jam as long as we then talk let's, about Let's pigs. talk about Halloween Kills. No, um, well, that's actually sweet, where I want to go. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily Halloween Kills, but yeah. everyone just... What's a movie that you were... I know we kind of expected Space Jam to be bad and not really for us, but what's a movie that you went into excited for and were really disappointed by or just either because it was bad or didn't meet your expectations? Um, so, Bobby, since you've seen a lot of the big blockbusters that probably had a lot more hype around them, what, what was one for you um, that was just like a total disappointment or um, not what you expected it to be? I think really the only one that fell into that category for me was Halloween Kills, like I said, um, where it was like there maybe were a couple were just maybe they were just okay, but maybe I didn't have as big of expectations. But I really, really liked the uh, 2018 Halloween movie. So I had, a, I had pretty high expectations for this one. Um, and it just seemed like they – it seemed like a movie that they had – the first movie that they wanted to make, they had a third movie they wanted to make. And this one, they, they just wanted to have Michael, Michael, Michael Myers kill people. But then all the characters are just so dumb that it, it's really hard to watch. Um, and it's just very, a lot of cheesy, corny type of things that were, even if they Evil were included in tonight. the, yeah, Evil Dies Tonight repeated over and over in the stupid mob thing and, and all that. But it's basically... Uh, you know, I, I'm still kind of curious about the third one, but it definitely lowered my expectations for it. Um, cause I didn't even think it was as well shot. They put, it was more, it was a lot more money, uh, into this one than the first one. And I think that you, you don't really see it on screen. Uh, the kills are brutal, but for kind of no reason, Michael Myers doesn't seem to have like a, like a, any type of real reason to do what he's doing in this one type of stuff. And, um, yeah, it was that was just the only one that was disappointing to me. It's just it's a lot of uh it more falls into the realm of all the other Halloween sequels where it might have some entertaining moments but it's not overall a very good movie. Um instead of the 2018 one which I thought was a really uh, well done if you're going to kind of retool it or reboot whatever you want to call it where you just acknowledge the first movie then move forward, but um that's kind of the only one for me that fell in that that camp as being a disappointing uh, movie after all the bit all hype around it yeah i was super bummed to see the reactions and the reviews and the you know rotten tomato score and stuff for halloween kills because i thought i'm a huge fan of the halloween franchise and there's only pretty much one like actual good movie and that's the original up until the 2018 one i thought was awesome it had it's from the creators of eastbound and down so you actually got some like comedic uh moments in there and you got what I think they did effectively, they had a couple of scenes where you don't see Michael Myers kill people. You just see the aftermath of it. And it was effective. It didn't feel like, Oh, they didn't just have the budget to do this. So they, you know, shot afterwards. It felt like they actually put it on there for a reason and it worked. And then everyone for this movie basically shit on it. And I was like, Oh, that's a bummer that this was just like a, a cash grab basically. Cause mm -hmm. they, they could have just, left it off with the last one but i know you know it made a bunch of money so they wanted to make a new one um joe what about you anything that you were looking forward to that disappointed you 
Uh, yeah, for me, I feel there's one movie that I feel like everyone else saw a completely different movie than me, and that's uh, The Suicide Squad. Everyone was hyping it up, saying, like, oh, this one's so amazing. And then I remember watching it, and I'm like, outside of just not being a music video every other scene, which is definitely an improvement over the original, I was kind of finished watching it. And I'm like, I don't know if I even enjoy that much better than the first one. Like, it just, whatever I saw just didn't come together for me the same way it seemed to come together for everyone else. I just, part of me feels like, the tone of it and everything just fell off. Like, I just don't think James Gunn and going the Guardians of the Galaxy style and tone is the right direction for Suicide Squad. I, uh, I still think the original, like, David Ayer style, whether the first movie came together or not, I don't think what his direction was going for is why that movie failed. I think it was more of the blending of the two styles is why that first one was so bad. But I almost think the more serious you know, style of when characters die, it actually feels like powerful and emotional, not rather than just like a joke half the time would be the better route to go for that franchise. And I think that was my problem is it was just like felt like a comedy when it shouldn't have been. I think what it did well and what I enjoyed about the Suicide Squad was the way it opens and starts and has you follow these characters then completely subverts that. That was like the best possible way you could show what the Suicide Squad does and I think a lot of the characters were fun, but I think the worst part of it is the third act because yeah, that was... I, I know that like the star is on the people's face and it explains that they die afterwards, but it was so jarring to me of these people that you're supposed to be rooting for just murdering civilians yeah. that have the star in their faces. That was like extremely jarring to watch for me. Um, just like, in a superhero movie, yeah, you have to have the scene of, like, faceless nobodies attacking people. But, like, for them to go basically into a third world country and then just be like, You're, I'm supposed to be rooting for Idris Elba shooting these, like, civilians in the face. Like, I, I didn't like that part of it, so I thought that was kind of weak. But I, I, it was just so much better than the first one. I think that was a lot of the hype. But I thought it was pretty, I thought it was about as well done as I'd expect a Suicide Squad movie to be i don't know what else i really expect from a property that for some reason was you know something that they really wanted to rush and make like as one of the first movies that dc really wanted to get out there for their extended universe even though it's not that super well known in the in the uh comics it's kind of an obscure thing um I felt Harley but, Quinn was super tacked on as well. Like it almost felt like James Gunn had the script entirely written and Warner brothers was like, Oh, Harley Quinn's not in your script at all. You need, you know, she was super popular. And one of the things people liked about the last one, you had got included. She had an entire like plot completely separate from everyone else. And then joined in kind of more towards the end. And then at the end, she really didn't do much except take javelins, javelin and pierce star with it. Except for kill, kill the star. The, I, I, <laughs> I do think, um, I I kind of agree with the Harley Quinn thing, but my one of my favorite scenes in the movie was when she just kills the guy. Yeah, like that yeah. was a good scene. Like immediately, like, it... like that scene made it all worth her being in it um, for me. Yeah, that but scene I think in you're her definitely the lowest scene. on that for for all of us. Yeah, I might be because I'm. It sounds like I'm higher than you, Johnny, on it. I don't know comparatively to Tristan, but I I really loved uh, the Suicide Squad. I, I the tone worked for me. It's one of those I can see if the tone doesn't work, it's not going to be your movie. Yeah. Um, because if it doesn't hit you in the right way, then you're kind of just going to be out and not really care. Um, but most of the jokes fit, hit for me. There are a couple that maybe fell flat, but when they take that many swings at it, and it and it's a, you know, and it's a good batting average, then that gets that makes an enjoyable movie for for that type of one. And then uh, uh, I just thought the character work was 
was very well done between for characters that you've never heard of before, like Rat, like Ratcatcher 2, uh, making you care yeah. about that character. Um, and with the backstory and kind of the nice little cameo of Taika Waititi you see in her, her story as her dad, um, that was well done. Yeah, I think the tone definitely is what either you bought into it and you were really into like the ride of everything being really dark or really ridiculous. Like it had a very, very dark sense of humor, but then it also in things with like the Peter Capaldi scene where he kind of reveals the the villain plan and he, like the the gore of it really makes it feel actually pretty dark. And I think that could be a lot to stomach for people, especially in like the DC realm of comic book movies that you think are going to be one way. And yeah, if, if you don't, if you're not ready for that kind of an experience, it can turn you off for the whole entire movie. And but I had a good time with it. I thought it really rode that line for me of, of never going too far. And I think like the sequence, for example, of them going through and killing all these guys in this in this in this kind of camp in this really badass way and showing it all off and making it seem like they're all like showing off how cool they are at killing. And then you get to the end of the sequence and they reveal who these guys actually are. And it's like it could be a gut punch or it could be you laugh out loud in your seat and i think that moment is like when you realize if you're either in for the movie or not (laughs) and right in my crowd i could tell like some people were laughing so hard that we were were like holding our guts and the other people were like about to walk out the theater and (laughs) i feel like that's one of those kind of like watershed moments in the movie where it's like okay you're in you're out you know yeah Mm -hmm. tristan um what was a movie that you were looking forward to that either didn't meet your expectations or you just didn't like at all one that I was really looking forward to out of curiosity and enjoyment of the source material was Dear Evan Hansen. You know, I, I didn't expect it to be incredible or anything like that, but I was like, this is going to be like a solid movie musical. You know, I like the original play. I like the music in it. I think Ben Platt gives a great, great performance on stage. And it's kind of like the whole life behind that character and why it resonated so well with people. And I thought in, in the times of 2020, 2021 era, like the concept of, social media's role in mental health could be something that was really relevant and really started the conversation. And I think the isolation has only led to more of people living their lives digitally and not living this, living in reality and kind of have these, these long lies that get exaggerated into big, big exaggerated things on the internet. But then the movie comes out and none of that really plays in. It's all just a big ego trip for Ben Platt to show off how good he is at acting. And it backfires because he's, looks so weird and uncomfortable among all these people who look like high school students. And, you know, and like Ben Platt has played people younger than this character before and he's pulled it off fine. But this movie like actively makes him look worse than he already looks age wise. And it's like, he looks older than he does in normal life somehow in this movie. And it's, it's very distracting. And they cut a lot of the songs that I think humanize the character of Evan Hansen. So what you essentially get is like this sociopathic character who takes advantage of a, of, a, of a classmate who kills himself and says, oh yeah, I knew him. He was my best friend. And then starts taking money from this family to uh, show off how to all to exaggerate this big lie of, oh, I, I knew this guy. And of course, all of the nuance is kind of lost in translation here between the stage and, and the movie. And it ended up being a huge, huge mess with okay music, but you can't give them a credit for okay music that they didn't write. You know, like they took it from another thing and didn't completely screw it up. So I guess you're better than cats in that regard, but like you could, you couldn't even have translated the story in any way. And yeah, very, very big disappointment that I think like single handedly is going to kill this musical's longevity in the conversation is probably going to really, really hurt Ben Platt's career going forward. Yeah. Not a good look. Yeah. That one looks real bad. Um, And that's not for me, obviously. So I, I get, 
seeing that and, you know, just being like, okay, this might not be for everyone and people are making fun of the casting, but maybe I'll have fun with it. And then it just falling completely flat. The one for me that did that, that I was looking forward to, I thought, it, you know, you attach Taylor Sheridan to a movie. I'm up for it. Like I, I know behind the scenes, like he wasn't as involved as maybe you think, but for those who wish me dead, the Angelina Jolie movie that came out earlier this year, just was so disappointing because at least going into it, I figured at the worst, it's going to be a fun movie with some good performances and maybe some like tension in it. And it just, the whole movie, I'm just watching it and it's just like getting worse and worse. And Angelina Jolie's character should die at least like six times and is fine. Like she literally falls like off like a hundred foot ladder, barely grabbing a rope falls on her back on the ground and just has some rope burn on her hand. And I was like, you would be dead so many times. And it just kept doing that the whole movie. And it just, you know, for me to really believe a movie that is supposed to be, this woman is protecting this kid and someone's coming after them. You have to have stakes. And it just didn't do a good job of setting that up. And it was really just something that I, you know, I expected going in like at worst, it'll be like a three, three or four out of five, like whatever. And it was it was just not for me, and it just wasn't very well made. Um, so that that one, I think, for me was the one going into it because if I'm looking at my list of just like every other movie that I have ranked lower than it, like the Conjuring movie that came out this year, or Don't Breathe Two, or even like Zack Snyder's Justice League, I knew going into it that I wasn't going to be about those. But that one was the one film i feel like i saw this year that going into it i was excited for and it just fell completely flat i don't know yeah. if anyone else saw it but no. it, I, I, I didn't see don't, that don't no, waste but... your time yeah, yeah i saw yeah. that i had it ranked very very low at number 48 on my list out of 55 so even lower than dear evan henson <laughs> wow lower than halloween kills by a single yeah. slot and that's disappointing because i really do like taylor sheridan and i, I you know i did want to see anything that he's involved with but maybe i'll skip this one and go to his next project but don't worry um, about this one but speaking of angelina jolie um a movie that uh, i thought might be one of those that you know had high expectations for me and then didn't meet them based on the critic reviews was uh eternals um and i actually liked that quite a bit i thought it was really good um you know i think i'm the only one here who didn't see it but i'm pretty sure all three of you like that movie and honestly every yeah it exists so so joe's the lowest on it so i'm interested just to hear for those, I think Tristan liked it a decent amount. Bobby's high on it. Joe's iffy, like whatever about it. Yeah, like if I never watch it again, I'll be fine. But it's not. It's not like horrible. It's not bad. But it was. There was just like nothing there. It was just like a lot of. It, I, I I can't remember where. Maybe it was off air that I was talking with Tristan about it. I remember saying that I feel like it couldn't figure out if it was an ensemble cast movie or if it was solely focused on um, blanking on the lead actress's name, but solely fo- And I think it should have uh, chosen Gemma Chan. Yeah. Gemma Chan. I feel like it should have focused on Love one her. or the other and been mm-hmm. completely basically from her perspective telling the story or been more of like an ensemble movie where there wasn't a direct lead, but it felt like it was kind of bouncing back and forth. And there were moments that I feel like the movie would have been better just from her perspective and moments that I've, and there were like Angelina's Jolie's whole plot line felt pointless ultimately in the end of her having 
memory problems and all that didn't really feel like it resolved at the end but ultimately didn't feel like it went anywhere important that they needed it in the movie and there was just a lot of moments like that that I feel like if maybe we saw more of her character it would have felt more impactful or more important but I think that that's a lot of my main problem with the movie is it needed to either be fully a Gemma Chan led movie or be a fully ensemble movie but it landed somewhere in the middle yeah and I um those worked better for me, especially the Angelina Jolie storyline, I think worked very well because Johnny hasn't seen it. I don't want to go like too much into it, but the story that the reason behind why that's happening to her um, was enough of a cool story and, and kind of reveal uh, to me um, to have that be worth being in the movie and the characters. Yeah. I can see where you would want, cause Gemma Chan kind of had the least, even though she's the main character, she kind of had the least to do. But I liked her character, um, and I liked kind of, you know, sometimes there are movies where your lead is just kind of walking you through um, the kind of the situation, uh, and you're kind of looking at it through their eyes for the most part, and that worked better for me than you. Like, it, this isn't, like, one of my top Marvel yeah. movies, but I, the uh, the direction I thought was great. Uh, Chloe Zhao, I think, did a really good job. Um, and it just it didn't have the same feel as a lot of Marvel movies, which I really enjoyed um and it's a very very grand and epic scope to it um that it makes a lot of the marvel movies feel very small even like infinity war and that like the 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 scale of what they're telling this story is really interesting to me so i think that sucked me in um a lot more than it would if it was maybe the same plot but they don't go they don't kind of explain what's going on or that you're just following the characters and because the characters in the movie, Johnny, just they don't know kind of what's happening for a good portion of it. If they don't have the big reveal of what's kind of going on um, in the grand plot, maybe the movie falls flat for me. But that really pulled me in. Um, and the yeah, way I, I found myself really moved by this movie. Actually, I thought it was uh, it, it wasn't incredible in the plot wise. I think some of that kind of felt like a lost and I do feel like it was this merging of Chloe Zhao and Marvel and some of that merging didn't quite come together in certain regards and I thought maybe some of the humor didn't work quite well but overall I thought it's I thought this was a really great movie and I, Bobby mentioned the scale and the scope and that that big reveal especially I think I it's one of those reveals that I actually felt like the reveal and I actually felt like the oh god moment of like wow, wow what are we gonna what like how this is so much bigger than I ever thought it was going to be and like not just like in any sense of like oh it's not like a oh here comes a character I didn't think was going to be in or anything that no, I didn't know any of these characters going in but just the the like the scale of the mm -hmm. visuals and the scope of the action and I felt so in, engaged by it and I I thought they, the movie danced around some interesting themes about like do we save humanity do we not and like what's humanity to the cost of like these other civilizations and things like that. And I don't want to go into super detail on a lot of that, what the choices end up being, but like, that's kind of the pondering they do of like, what is the value of life? And then what is our role as these superpowered beings who essentially can die and have infinite power? Like, do we intervene with history? Or do we not intervene with history? And I love those interesting questions, questions I never thought I'd ask coming out of a Marvel movie. So for me, it's, it's among the better Marvel movies, but I wouldn't put it like in the top, top tier, but it's definitely like one that I'm going to go back to and watch again and, and appreciate more and more. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. And I think what I think this movie actually did something uh, better um, than a movie that tried to do, I think, a similar kind of concept in the beginning, at least, is Prometheus. 
Um, and I enjoyed Prometheus, but they have a similar with the engineers. Um, and that is kind of a similar concept that this one goes for. And I think this meets that, you know, plot line and the scale of that and the scope of it a lot better than that movie. So if you want to compare it to another one, I think the, they, those had a same kind of concept behind it. And this one hit better for me. And I liked Prometheus. Okay. Um, if okay, so in a, in like a month when Eternals is on Disney Plus or however long, and it's sitting there next to um, Black Widow, what what do you recommend? I having not wasted my time with either so far. Eternals. What do you think uh, as, I, I should watch? I I preferred Black Widow, but I would say you watch Eternals first because if you've seen the trailer for Black Widow, like Black Widow is not it doesn't really deviate of what you would expect from a Marvel movie. Like if you've seen the trailer, you kind of know exactly what you're going to get from that movie where mm-hmm. Eternals is different. Uh, but I just, to me, it just didn't come together. It might, you might enjoy it more like uh, Bobby and Tristan did, but um, I would, I would still say to watch e- If you had a choice to watch one, I would say to watch Eternals just because it is more different than Black Widow is from a lot of the other of the MCU stuff. Yep. Yeah, for me, the ceiling of what you're going to like of Black Widow is very low, and but mm-hmm. the ceiling of Eternals is very high. You could hate Eternals, but you also could love Eternals, and I think Black Widow, the best you're going to say is like, that was that was good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think Eternals yeah. will elicit strong reactions one way or another, and that's usually more engaging. <laughs> yeah, I think okay. Black Widow is, I, I enjoy the movie, it, it, but it's like a mid-tier uh, Phase 2 movie of Marvel, I would say, and it, it falls into the same traps of the early Marvel movies where the villain's not very good. Um, and like the plots kind of, you know, it's okay. But the, the, but the main characters and crew that you're following the family that they kind of develop is really good. And that's kind of what you're enjoying out of it is black widow and the, the family that she has in the movie is that that's well done. Yeah, Black Widow is definitely one of those movies that they spent $200 million on that would have been 10 times better if they spent $80 million on. Yes, 100%. 100%. That, the third act, like you said, Johnny Angelina Jolie should have died a million times. Black Widow is still a human, and she should have died a million times in <laughs> in the end of that movie, too. So, Falling yeah. from the guy onto pieces of metal and stuff. <laughs> it's like in Fast and Furious when they use cars as like they're breaking yeah. their falls. Yeah. And it's like, no, that would just do more damage right. to you than if you just laid it on the on the ground. Yeah. Um so transitioning from from that, I'll, I'll I'll check out Eternals before I I bother with uh the only thing I would say, Johnny, because I think Black Widow is on Disney Plus. If you're mm-hmm. planning on watching Haw- Hawkeye at all, I would watch Black Widow. I have seen the end credit scene for Black Widow. That's you know, the only not, thing I've seen. It's not that. <laughs> that, that that it's the there's a um just just because you've seen the post credit scene, just to know that character more, probably okay. is the reason. The um, yeah, and that character is like the only reason to yeah. watch the movie. Essentially, he's really good. <laughs> like yeah. that character, right. and I think uh, the Red Bear, whatever that character's name is, the yeah, David uh, Harbor's yeah, character. David Harbor, he's really good. He's yeah. really good in that too. Yep. All right, so transitioning away from that, I there's a couple movies on here I want to specifically bring up. Maybe they'll come up with this, but what was a movie that maybe you went into, so opposite of that, maybe you didn't have as high of expectations for, and it kind of went you know above and beyond that, and you really enjoyed it, or a movie that you went into with high expectations, and it met those expectations? Here, I'll... Um, 
I have one of each of those, but you wait. What, what, can you say that again? I was trying. I was thinking of what my what are what are so our two? either a movie that you didn't really think much of, you went in and you you enjoyed it a lot, or a movie that you had very high expectations for and it met them, rather than you know fall flat for you. All right, I didn't really have any movies so far this year that I had super high expectations for and met them. Uh, so far, really, the only movie that I think. Uh, that will be is Nightmare Alley, Guillermo del Toro's movie that's coming out around Christmas time. But other than that, there's like there's no like big director movie that I am a super like Denis Villeneuve uh, directed Dune, which you know was basically the quality I expected it to be. Uh, but other than that, like there was no like Tarantino or Christopher Nolan or big director that I cared about that had a movie come out or a property that I super care about that had a movie come out. So I didn't. There hasn't been a movie I had a lot of expectations for, but a movie uh, that I currently have at my number four slot that I fu- went into it this weekend fully expecting it to be like mid range, and maybe that's why it's so high. Maybe on a rewatch it'll drop a little bit. Is uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I think so far I'm the only person here that's seen it. Uh, I will yeah. say it does tread a little bit too much into the whole member berries aspect that other movies like The Force Awakens uh, have been kind of dragged down by. Uh, but I think there are other moments where they kind of use that and it pays off. And I think it was very smart. It's not like a retread of the original. It's not like, oh, it's a sequel. And it's like these four kids, like these four men in New York City find like the ghostbusters equipment and start their ghostbusters you know start a new ghostbusters company in new york city and it's basically like a remake of the original it's very much a new story very much its own thing uh i think it tells the story well um and yeah i I don't want to say too much of it because i don't because it just came out this last weekend i don't want to spoil anything but yeah that would be that would be the movie for me that i had really no expectations for and i left it being genuinely surprised by how how much i liked it okay oh and i'll say like mckenna grace I'm, I'm is the next the next big like chi- i think child actor to break into being in a good adult grace. yeah she's she's young now she's i think like 12 13 years old but i will not be surprised to see her basically continue and act you know all through her adulthood if that's what she chooses to do i could see her being like a a natalie portman in that way yeah i i uh just watched i tanya for the first time the other day and she's not in it for long but she plays tanya harding when she's younger um and she's really good in that so yeah mckenna grace outside of that like i haven't seen gifted and i have obviously yet to see ghostbusters but i i think she's uh Right up there is like one of those stars to watch out for, because um, the other one is uh, what's I think it's Julia Butters from uh, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is like the other actress that like anything she does and like if she sticks with film and is an actress her whole career that is one that I think could be awesome like just to follow what she ends up doing because um, she was even like she's awesome in the she's in the best scene of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and then she is in one skit of I Think You Should Leave, which is my favorite show. And she's so funny in it. Um, so I, I really like to follow her career as well. And I'm excited to see like McKenna Grace. I like seeing those like next big stars kind of come up. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's McKenna Grace is good in uh, The Haunting of Hill House, which is a miniseries on Netflix as well. Yeah, I have yet to see those, but I'm excited to watch them when I will one day. But I've been on like a movie kick, so I haven't really started a show because then I'll be watching that. Um, but 
Yeah, so Ghostbusters, I'm I'm excited for. Mm-hmm. I think after just hearing Joe's review of it is probably similar to like my feelings. I don't think I'm going to watch it and just be disappointed by it. I think I'm just going to go in and have fun with the world of Ghostbusters again, which is all I want from this movie. Um, Bobby, anything you went into uh, not either caring much about and it yeah. and it excited you or it was better than you expected it or uh, I, anything like that? I have one of both of those. Um, I think one that might fall into that camp in one of those camps for you um, is no time to die, um, mm-hmm. where I had I high expectations, especially for James Bond as a franchise and being Daniel Craig's last movie. And I think that met um, or exceeded my expectations on that level. Um, I have a couple minor problems with it, and I have to see it a few times. But it's it's a really good movie, um, and it's a good closeout to the Daniel Craig saga um, as Bond. Uh, so that's definitely one that met my expectations or exceeded it when I already had high expectations. One that I had like zero expectations for and just watched it. Cause I thought it would be a watchable movie with good leads is jungle cruise. Um, and I just watched that a few days ago or a week ago or so. And you know, it's, it's nothing special, but it's better than I thought it would be. Like it's, it, it has a few twists in the plot that are actually pretty interesting. Um, especially with Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Johnson's character um, and Emily Blunt and, and the rock are really good in it. you know, it's, I don't think you can watch it and just and and dislike it. Um, but I, I thought it would just be an okay watchable movie and it was better than that for me. I thought it was pretty good and I'd, I'd see another one like, a, you know, solid. Um, so that's one I had like no expectations for and it, it at least was like, I enjoyed it. All so, right. Yeah. Yeah, good choices. I totally agree. And I think all of us here agree on the no time to die um, thing because yeah, going into it, I didn't know what I expected. I just wanted it to be a good closeout for Daniel Craig. And I thought it was like the perfect movie for that. Mm-hmm. And I was on board for almost everything it did. I love the inclusion of, um, uh, we have all the time in the world all the time in the world. Yeah. yeah. That, that like when the credits hit and that song starts playing, like I, I almost shed a tear. I was like, yeah. I shouldn't be crying at a James Bond movie, but I am right now. Um, Tristan, uh, anything for you that uh, exceeded your expectations or met your high expectations? Yeah, there's a lot that I had high expectations for coming into the year, uh, but one that was uh, on my rank on my list as something that I was going to check out, but not something I, my highest priority was James Wan's latest movie, *Malignant*. Uh, we James Wan is a director I know, and I. I've liked Aquaman enough, but I've never been quite a big James Wan fan. You know, especially I thought his direction in the Insidious or in, in the uh, Conjuring movies recently has been kind of very boring and flat. Uh, versus, you know, he did do some good work in Furious Seven, I guess, and some good work in Insidious. But I thought in recent years, especially in the horror, he lost he lost any sense of style, and it was just kind of like these very flat, dreary movies. And then Malignant came out, and right from before the before the lug was even start, you're already introduced to what this movie is going to be, and from the opening sequence, it's just complete fun. And he treads through all these different genres of horror and covers like this. So the premise is essentially that this woman is—I don't even know what the premise how to describe the premise of this movie, to be honest with you, because it twists you right in the middle. And but yeah, this is a wild horror ride that James Wan takes you on a malignant. And it follows this woman who is kind of in the shock of this this grisly uh, 
kind of abuse situation, she kind of realizes she can see these visions of murders as they're happening and tries to uncover why they're happening. And you're going along the journey with her trying to figure out why. And from the, from the, some of the scenes, it starts out in that gray James Wan kind of tone, but it immediately kind of builds and builds and builds and builds until you realize, oh, this is going completely off the rails. And I love the twists in this. I love the style in this. It goes all over the place uh, from all these different genres of horror. Like I said, from a haunted house movie to uh, a Giallo movie later on to horror action later on. And if you want to see James Wan kind of take a big budget and run away with it and do whatever he wants and really unleash in a way I never thought he was even capable of doing. I, I thought Malignant was a great one. It's in my top uh, three of the year right now. If it'll stay there, I don't know. But uh, for right now, it's up there. Yeah, we. if you want a further discussion on Malignant, I recommend checking out our, our episode from last week. We did uh, – mm-hmm. um, or no, no like from a couple of weeks ago. It was on our, it was on horror, our horror bracket, bracket right? Yeah. Yeah. So from about three weeks ago, check out our horror bracket. We have kind of an in-depth discussion Tristan and Joe are really high on it. I don't think Bobby's seen it yet. And yeah, I, I was, I, oh, I, okay. was, I'm, I forgot um, if you had, or I, not. I liked it quite a bit, uh, but it like not as much as Tristan, but I thought it was really, really fun. And there's yeah, stupid stuff in it, but it was really fun. I think that's, that's a movie that will kind of be a love hate. Um, if you watch it. Um, but I will say as far as like a dumb horror movie with like, I went in with no expectations and really liked it. It was, uh, it was called, what the fuck is it even called? It's the killer jeans movie. Um, it is called slacks slacks. <laughs> so yeah, I, I recommend it. It's fun. It's, it's a movie that was made with no budget and it did everything, um, in its power to kind of, you know, stray away from that. A movie about killer jeans, you go in, you expect it to just be like rubber or one of those dumb, like inanimate objects killing people movies. But there's actually some depth to it, and it actually has something to say. So I actually recommend that. Um, but as far as my own question, a couple small movies I want to give a shout-out to. One I went in with no expectations, because I had never heard of it, um, was Old Henry. Um, it stars Tim Blake Nelson. It's a Western. Um, he, It's kind of your, you know, we've seen it in Unforgiven. We've seen it in some Westerns before. Uh, this guy who is... He's a farmer. He's got a son. He obviously has secrets and a dark past. He might have been an outlaw. You don't know much about him. Um, And then, you know, they find a a guy who has been shot and he ends up in their house. And then people are coming after him. And you kind of get to see the wrath of Tim Blake Nelson. First of all, I love a good movie where a character actor uh, gets to lead and Tim Blake Nelson's awesome in it. Um, uh, Obviously, like, you know, he's a supporting character in pretty much everything he's ever done, whether it's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou or The Incredible Hulk or other things. Um, holes. But, and holes. And he's great. <laughs> and he's always standout. So I, I really enjoyed that. It's a good Western. When the reveal happens of like what this guy used to be, it worked for me on so many levels and it was super fun. Um, it wasn't just, oh, he used to be an outlaw. There's more to it. And it and it was uh, it really had a lot of. Uh, of enjoyment for me it's nothing special it's not going to blow you away it's not going to be your number one movie of the year but if you like a western if you like uh, a movie like that like i definitely recommend checking that out it had it went in areas that i didn't think it would and um i went into it having just seen it that it was on amazon and i was in a western kick because of the heart of they fall so i watched it and i really enjoyed it 
The other one that I is a smaller film that I had a lot of expectations for and it met them was the beta test. Um, the newest movie from Jim Cummings uh, and PJ McCabe. Jim Cummings had done, I, I most recently saw him, like I kind of discovered him from watching um, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, which I recommend to anyone and Thunder Road, uh, which was his first movie. He is just the most like, I don't know when he's on screen, your eyes are glued to it. I think the movie itself, um, I don't know, maybe they could have done a little more with the story, but I think he has performance. Like he should be nominated for an Oscar for sure, but he won't. Um, it'll go completely, you know, it's not going to be a big enough movie. It's not going to have a big enough push to, to do it, but it's like the best anxiety filled movie I've seen since uncut gems. Um, and I, I really recommend that, especially if you like a movie like that. If you've seen Good Time, if you've seen Uncut Gems, where the lead of the movie is not a likable character, but he's super enjoyable to watch. And even though he's not very likable, you're kind of rooting for him. It's it's a very similar style um, story. And it's you know it, it has some stuff to say in there, too, about toxic masculinity and about people living today and trying to make names for themselves and stuff. So it goes into that. Um but the other one, too, that I think going into it, I wasn't expecting very much. And this will kind of transition us because I think at least uh, I don't know if anyone has anyone else watched. Uh, I went into King Richard not expecting very much. And I thought it was really, really good. It was a it was a great story. And it's Will Smith's. It's the best performance of Will Smith's career since that one episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And you all know. He don't want me, man. About. Yeah. Exactly. So it was exciting to see Will Smith really break out and not only do his like Oscar movie, but the movie itself to actually come together and be really good. Um, so I highly recommend that. Has anyone else watched uh, King Richard yet? Yeah, I watched it uh, this weekend. And I will say if you've been listening, we haven't really broke down what King Richard is. Uh, it's basically the story of Venus and Serena's dad and like him pushing them to be basically what they become. And I think it kind of it it ask the question basically like is is that the right way to do things is pushing your kids to that degree to make sure and basically he's kind of in the movie says like because i don't want them to be out on the streets and so like that's why i push them so hard and it's kind of asked the question like is that the right thing is to basically is it worth it to like push your kids to that degree to like mm -hmm. make sure they have the right life and i will say the movie in a lot of aspects reminded me of uh ford versus ferrari in the sense of it's like a very simple story very like simple script but the performances and the directing and everything is just so well done that it still becomes a really good movie where i feel like it very possibly could just be like a kind of a bad tv movie but i think because of the performances and everything it's what elevates it to the next level and uh, I really enjoyed it. It's very simple, like I said, but everything about it's so good that I think it stands out. I think it's going to be hopefully remembered as one of the better uh, sports movie. I know you're doing a top thirty. I don't. I, it's like this is is also in a sense like Moneyball uh, that it's hard to qualify really as a sports movie just because the sport takes a backseat to the story. The sport itself really doesn't come into play until the final minutes of the movie, but. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah yeah it's one every every single character they have in the movie has their moment and and is really good 
the the girls who played Serena and Venus are are awesome. John Bernthal is always great. I had forgotten that he was even in the movie until he shows up, and he's entertaining every time he's on screen. But yeah, it's Will Smith's best performance. I think you might get. Um, I think you're definitely going to get Will Smith to be nominated for this. But I wouldn't be surprised if I have to look at her name, and I believe it's pronounced Anjanu Ellis, uh, who plays Oracine, uh his wife. I think she could get a Best Supporting Actress nod um, because she's really, really good in it and has a couple really memorable scenes. Um, they, it, like Joe said, it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a pretty simple sports story. I was a little worried going in because if you know the actual story of Richard Williams, he's had ups and downs in his life. He's made some questionable decisions. He's not exactly the most likable guy that you're always going to root for in real life. I think this movie did a good job of. You want the lead character of this specific film to be likable and you want to root for what he's doing. And I think he's, they do that well, but they also kind of dive into the, um, you know, is he making the right decision? Like Joe Mm -hmm. mentioned, I think they do that really well. And I wasn't sure if they were or not because I didn't want them to kind of deify him because I know that the daughters um, were producers on the film and you never know when the actual people are involved in the story, if you're going to get the real thing. It, the timeline of it doesn't get into his divorces or affairs or anything like that. You don't really need any of that in this story. Um, so they do a good job of just telling the story the way they, the story that they want to tell and do a good job of having ups and downs of, is he, you know, I really like this guy. And then of, is he making the right decision here? Do I agree with what he's doing? I, I think they, they do a good job of that. Um, you know, to kind of toe the line between those instead of just being like, yeah, he was the best dude in the world. Um, so I was a little worried of that going in. And when I watched it, yeah, I, I, it's number 11 on my top 30 sports movies of all time after just watching it one time. One spot above The Hustler, which is an all-time classic. So I, I definitely recommend uh, yeah. King That's- Richard. I, I told my parents to watch it last night, and they did, and they texted me right after and said how great they thought it was so yeah it's, it's one that i think that's mm-hmm. everyone can watch it it's it's accessible to everyone and has a lot to say too yeah it's yeah. streaming free on hbo max right now and i will say real quick that basically i don't want to spoil the moment but there is a moment in the movie where he kind of explains everything of something that happened in his you know youth uh that basically explains why he is the way he is now and it makes sense and explains his character and it doesn't exactly absolve him of all of the like bad stuff he does but it at least gives you a reason Yeah, and I've I've heard, just I want to say, I haven't seen it yet, but I really want to, but I saw some people that haven't seen the movie, um, like, criticizing, oh, you have two of the best tennis players in the world, you know, women tennis players, and you're making a movie about the, like, the dad, but the, this is the movie that the Williams sisters wanted to make, like, they produced Mm -hmm. the movie, they were behind it, Um, they wanted to tell the story of their father, because they're very grateful for what he did, even if there's some questionable things, but they are where they are because of him. Um, so it's the story they want to tell. So if you're, you know, if you're cynical about the reasoning behind the movie, just know that, you know, that it's the story they wanted to tell. And from like a story perspective, what's going to make a more interesting movie, this like conflicting character and this guy that's made, you know, some maybe bad life choices or, you know, controversial choices, or these two women who just showed up and dominate essentially from the time they were mid teenagers until they're like mid thirties. And I feel like, the movie itself wouldn't have been that interesting if it was from their perspective yeah, because it, for sure. the, there wouldn't have been very many lows. It would have just been like high after high after high, which is great for them in real life, but as far as telling a movie, I don't know how compelling it would have been. 
And they do a really good job of telling you the story of the Williams sisters and both of the actresses. Um, I had to look them up, but Demi Singleton, who plays Serena, and Sunia Sidney, who plays Venus, they're both awesome. They have moments as well, and you do get the story of the daughters as well as the fathers. So, you know, I, I think they do a good job showing, like, if you just made a biopic of the Williams sisters, like Joe said, like, you'd basically have a movie that you'd have to focus on them until they're both 14. And then you don't have much of a movie after that because the whole rest of that is them being the greatest at, at the sport of all time, basically. So I think they told the most interesting story you could have with, with their career. And it shows the ups and downs just of them being young and wanting to go pro and feeling like their dad is not letting them and things like that, that, you know, happen in real life. And they, they, they show that that really well. And both of those actresses are, are definitely going to be up and comers if they stick to making movies. The other thing I really liked about it was they, they filmed the tennis sequences really well. Um, you, you get a few matches and a few scenes of it, but they recreate history very well. All the tennis is done well. Um, you know, and it makes you, it, and it sucks you in. It, it reminded me of miracle in that they nailed all the actual hockey scenes, um, except for maybe Jim Craig's goaltending. Um, but I, I think, uh, they, they just capture the actual tennis well, and it's not as high paced and fast as hockey is, but they, they did a good job of, uh, of filming those sequences whenever they're actually doing it. So I, that one is, is probably the most like pleasant, pleasant surprise of a movie that went into it, thought it would just be kind of your typical, like, oh, it's just a sports movie. Like it doesn't have really any depth behind it, but it, it has a lot of depth and it has a lot of good performances. So. And I, will say, I recommend that to you, even if you aren't interested in any sports. Yeah, and I know, number one, I know nothing about tennis at all. I don't even know how the scoring works. I've tried to understand it, and it never made sense to me, and I still enjoyed the movie. And uh, I watched John Bernthal. He was on Hot Ones a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about, like, the the tennis in this movie, and he trained for, like, he he had played tennis before, but he trained extensively so his form was right and people that know tennis couldn't watch the movie and be like oh his form's terrible so even for someone who's not the main focus of the movie and is just a tennis coach they wanted to have him have his like form down and look like a tennis coach so i'm sure they worked a lot with the actresses that played venus and serena and the actresses that were their opponents to make sure that they looked like they could play tennis yeah, I appreciate that as someone who's seen a lot of baseball movies where they clearly don't know any form <laughs> or anything pitching and all that stuff. Yeah. Like it, it definitely makes a difference when you're watching those scenes yeah. to, to put the work in. Yeah, that's why I'm curious about the uh, Kurt Warner biopic that I think it, there's only one of two ways that can go of like, I feel like that movie's either going to be Oscar, like best picture Oscar contender or complete hot garbage. I don't think there's yeah. a way that movie is like, oh, it was good. It was solid. I think it's either going to be like, arguably best movie of the year or just completely terrible one movie i want to talk about that i went into thinking oh this this is not going to be for me but i'm sure it's going to be an oscar contender and i thought similar to king richard i was expecting it to go along really traditional like biopic lines was spencer the christian stewart uh, princess diana movie and for me going into it i was like okay i don't really care about princess diana i don't particularly care about the royals i don't know anything really about these the story and I don't have much interest in like these characters as people, but uh, I went into it for Christian Stewart. I went to, into it essentially for the buzz of the performance, and I 
came out of it super, super impressed. I was kind of blown away by it. And I thought it was so much different than just a typical biopic. And I expected it to be kind of along the same beats as something that would just cover like, oh, the most important week of her, her life and lead right up to her death or something like that. And it would show us some of like the biggest moments of her life or some of the biggest, most famous, iconic things she ever experienced. And it wasn't like that at all. This was just one Christmas weekend with her royal family while she's in the middle of a divorce, while she's going through what is seeming like like a very intense depress- depressive episode because of the divorce and all the pressure around her. And she's right in the middle of the center of the public eye. And we're just getting one weekend in her life at that one highly tense moment of her life. And it brings in moments of kind of psychological thriller, almost horror elements to it, where you're kind of really exploring her, her fear for her future. And she's haunted kind of by this idea that she's not going to be able to ever live a full life because she's entrapped in this uh, cycle of royalty. And she's, she's always afraid that she's going to die young and she's haunted by this ghost of like the potential death of her and what could happen to her children. And you, you have this kind of foreboding knowledge of, of course, that she does die young and she does kind of have this tragic life, unfortunately. And I, I thought this was a really strong uh, second movie from this director i did see jackie so i probably should have expected to not have a traditional biopic here but this was <laughs> even much less traditional than jackie because jackie was of course like the most important moment of jackie kennedy's life arguably and this was just kind of a weekend you know and it got into a, more of the psychological elements and the, the mental elements of her as a her as a person her as kind of like a soul so yeah i was really really impressed by it right now it's my favorite movie of the year and one that i was uh, not having huge huge expectations for, but was really really surprised by and how much I loved it. And for me, it's so high that like I don't even know what could come and knock it down. Looking at the movies ahead of the, me in the year, but there's always chance for surprises, you know. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to watching that movie. I was a uh, basically how you feel about Spencer is how I felt about Jackie. Was like I have no care to watch a Jackie Kennedy biopic and then I you know watched the movie and it just made me realize like I never thought about the fact that like we look at the assassination of like Kennedy and we're like oh the president got shot and, like it's a sad thing but it's also just kind of because of how long ago it was and that's just like pretty much even the last two or three generations just growing up like seeing it basically in history class we've kind of become desensitized to it you don't think about the fact she was just riding along in the car and her husband's like head exploded next to her and it's like what that would do to a person and i thought it was kind of an interesting uh movie different different movie and i was a big fan of it so i'm definitely looking yeah, forward to uh there's Spencer. a similar vibe to that with diana because princess diana is such a mythical person that even if you don't follow the royals you know princess diana and you know her death and i think she's one of those people whose death has overshadowed her entire life and for the, this movie kind of gave us a chance to like see her alive and see her life and the, the complexities of, lo- of that life and that we just see her as this icon as this person as this like historical figure and this was kind of like no this was a human being with very complex emotions and i think it did a great job giving us a portrait of those emotions without being in any way emotionally manipulative and it doesn't feel like oh here's where the music swells and here's where you're supposed to cry and here's where the, she's going to give her speech it was very much just like a look into her mind at this moment in time and i loved it all right. I, I think that kind of brings me to, um, because a lot of people are predicting Kristen Stewart will be nominated for that role. I know she said she doesn't give a shit one way or the other, um, but I think I think she has a good chance of being nominated for that just from the buzz I've heard. I haven't seen the film yet, 
Um, outside of, like, if we talked about King Richard, I would be genuinely shocked if Will Smith is not nominated for Best Actor for this uh, upcoming Oscars. Is there anything that you guys have seen or even just with the buzz around, what would you be genuinely shocked if by the time the Oscars come around that this person or this movie, whether it's special effects, whether it's best picture, whether it's any category, what do you think you'd be shocked by if it's not nominated in that category? All right, my... Because as a degenerate who likes to bet on the Oscars, I've noticed very, I've noticed that the Oscars special effects category always goes to basically who can make uh, the not realistic look realistic. Like First Man won, uh, Ex Machina won, I think The Martian won. It, it never goes to like the Star Wars or like these weird like – Interstellar won. Yeah, it never goes to like these big like alien creature special effects movies. And so I will not only be shocked if Dune isn't nominated, I will be shocked if Dune doesn't win. Like, sure, there's, like, the big worm monster and stuff, but for the most part, it's, like, ships in the Mm -hmm. sand, like, very subdued, kind of not over-the-top special effects, and that is my number one pick to win the Oscar for special effects. Yeah, it it looks very in-camera, and that's what they like to see is, like, you know, it looks like it really exists there, and it's something that could actually happen, not not a bunch of aliens like you said so yeah, yeah it'd be the, the same for me yeah i'll say what i filled up my list in september for my visual effects i had dune as getting nominated and winning so i definitely think that's going to be up there other ones on the list that i had as potentials back in the day was eternals i thought that could have potentially had really good effects and it did have some strong effects especially in the larger scale kind of mm-hmm. villains but i don't know maybe it'll maybe a nomination but yeah not, not going to outshine dune Godzilla vs. Kong, maybe. Mm-hmm. That had yeah. some really... Say, That'll get nominated, visuals. but Dune will beat it. Yep. Yeah, I think I think Godzilla vs. Kong... I wouldn't be shocked if it's not nominated, partly just because it, it's not like your typical Oscar movie, but the special effects category is not usually the no. typical Oscar movies, and there hasn't been... What would surprise me if Kong vs. Godzilla is not nominated for that is, outside of Dune, they're honestly haven't been a lot of big like sci-fi movies with a lot of special effects that it focuses on um other than like you said eternals um you know i i think Candyman had a lot of interesting special effects shang chi might get nominated but i don't think it should because i think that was maybe the weakest part of the movie where it's actual special effects there are scenes like especially like when like note when you see something and it's super noticeable. I think the the academy sees that too. And he's in Shang Chi during the bus fight when he rolls over the top of the bus. He's so disproportionate to the bus. And I thought that was something that stood out to me. So yeah, like I I think Kong versus uh, Godzilla versus Kong and Dune are pretty much locks for best special effects. And I'd be interested to see what ends up uh, getting nominated outside of those um because those chance, are typically uh, more like blockbustery type movies but maybe I, no time to die i, I like any what chance else last night in soho there are some special effects it and shouldn't. i could i could see them they'll, they'll I, a lot of times they'll use those categories to nominate like oh we like this movie but it's not quite like best picture potential yeah. that's why like doing a problem especially with 10 i could see dune getting that best picture nomination but it 
has no chance of winning so i could see them being like yeah. oh well we'll give it special effects or we'll give it cinematography or we'll give it this and i could see it'll last... get best adapted screenplay and special effects nominations for sure yeah. might win both um depends i don't know what else would be nominated for adapted screenplay probably whatever the fuck shakespeare movie with denzel yeah, uh, yeah. Is. If, yeah. if in the heights does get any end up getting any buzz that's technically an adapted from the broadway um that's one that i can see them if it doesn't get a lot of oscar love in the main categories they'll i think they'll give it like costume design um and they could even throw it into special effects because there's some really really cool um shots they do that are definitely special effects uh near the end of the movie and there's a video that shows the ninety-six thousand video what it looked like kind of before and after um that scene so I, I could see them giving that some love there if it doesn't get nominated in like the main categories because it was kind of a loved critically movie. Yeah, if we're talking musicals, I think West Side Story has a good shot at getting some of these nominations, especially in the visual effects and the sound editing and that kind of stuff. I think depending on like the scope of the of the sequences and that kind of stuff, if they go for that similar scale of larger than life dance sequences, and there's no reason to think that West Side Story wouldn't have big elaborate dance sequences mm-hmm. knowing the source material both the movie and uh, obviously the, the, the musical. But yeah, I could see that kind of going and eating the kind of eating the, the pie of In the Heights coming out right at the end of the year and being like, oh, look at us. We're a big show musical. We got Steven Spielberg on us. So I think that could, regardless of the quality of the movie, obviously I haven't seen it yet, but I think that's that's striking at a lot of those Academy kind of buttons and could be one that gets a ton, a ton of nominations and one that could be a one to place your bets on if you're one of those guys who bets on the oscars right yeah, yeah i i obviously haven't seen it yet because it hasn't come out but the tragedy of Macbeth, i think is going to get nominated in as many categories as the oscars can give it um i think that is almost a lock for yeah you know depending on if it comes out and people aren't into it but i think it will be a movie that critics like and i think it's got some buzz just from you know, early releases. Yeah. Denzel is going to get a nomination. Frances McDormand, you know, whatever movie she puts out, even if it's undeservingly, she's going to get a nomination and probably win, um, like Nomadland. Um, and Joel Cohen's the director, so I, I think that's going to get probably, you know, best picture, best director, best adapted screenplay, best actor, best either actress or supporting actress, whatever they decide Frances McDormand is. And having not seen it yet, I think that's a lock for those. Um, but I, have, I will yeah. say I, I would be genuinely surprised if I was just looking at my list. I, you know, I, I really we talked about like I, I, I really want Winston Duke and Nick Cage, one or the other to be nominated. Um, but I would be probably genuinely shocked if. What was I looking at here? Here's one. I would be genuinely shocked if the Green Knight doesn't get nominated for costume design or makeup. Um, because that movie has the best of the year in terms of those. And I don't know what else has come out that you've really been like, oh, the, the, you know, the makeup in that movie is great. But I think that has the best, like, practical. Didn't they combine? Of, of that. I felt, didn't they, I combine they combined make... them, didn't they? Yeah, yeah they did. And I could They're see. The same thing now. I, I could see Cruella getting a costume nomination as well. Yeah. I can I, see House of Gucci as well. It has a lot of really vibrant costumes, but the reviews have not been great. Yeah, today, the review, so I I have, so. uh, yeah, the reviews for that have been not great. So I, I, I could see that movie just kind of coming out with nothing. 
But hey, the Suicide Squad won makeup and hairstyling, so Hasaguchi could come in and be the one that gets it despite quality. Eyes of Tammy it'll, Faye it'll really transformed. Win just because of Jared Leto mm. not looking like himself. Mm. Yeah, there's a yeah. few that are like these transformative rules. I think Spencer could get it if, if uh, really. Uh, it's not very showy though, and I think this this uh, category does tend to go for like the most makeup, the one that does a big transformative role. Maybe Eyes of Tammy Faye. That that did a really transformative role on Bryce Dallas Howard, but that hasn't been getting as much buzz as since it came out. I could see being the Ricardos, the Lucy Ricardo oh, yeah. biopic. Yeah. That could be one that gets a lot mm-hmm. of like Academy love. I've only I seen one that. review of it, and it was super positive. So, yeah, it, I liked the trailer. Some people thought like, they didn't like it as much. I thought it looked really good, but um, that, like you mentioned, Tristan House of Gucci, that movie itself is getting mixed reviews like i think it's it's sitting at like 66 percent. but even the people that didn't like the movie the critics are still saying that um lady gaga and adam driver are fantastic um and then people are hit or miss on whether they like jared leto they either say he's amazing or he's terrible um so i i think that performance wise um lady gaga um maybe adam driver too but lady gaga um could get I'd look at a nomination because she she did not get nominated for a star is born right she uh, just the song i don't think so i, I think just yeah the so song did. so i think her bradley coming cooper back and having did. another did bradley cooper get nominated i think he I might think have. as a director but i don't think lady gaga I did think maybe yeah but basically that movie everyone thought she was and she didn't and a lot of times when that happens and then another movie comes out the next one you know that she's in and she gets a lot of oscar buzz i could see her getting nominated kind of because of that I'm really looking forward to when these nominate all these movies start coming out because so many of these Oscar movies like Belfast. Have any of you guys seen Belfast? That one came out and had a ton of Oscar buzz, but I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. That's one that I think could sneak in yeah. for a lot of Academy no, I love. Haven't I I haven't. I don't know where that's available right now, other than like maybe in some theaters. I'm um, gonna see. But having a puppy with super uh, super severe anxiety uh, whenever we leave him separation anxiety that's the word i was looking for um that prevents me from really going to the movies right now so i think um i think belfast is a lock for a best picture at least and i don't know what else um but just from what i've heard and from like that was a festival darling i think that one will be nominated for sure for multiple categories um two movies that i i kind of want to bring up because i know at least three of us have seen them and we haven't really talked him, talked about him. The first one is one Joe just mentioned for special effects, possibly, is The Last Night in Soho. Um, I watched it recently. Tristan's seen it. And Joe was the highest on us. So I want to hear just Joe's kind of general, your thoughts on Last Night in Soho, everything you said kind of worked for you. Uh, what what um, what are your thoughts and feelings after after seeing Last Night in Soho? Uh, I really liked it a lot. I I probably could have brought that one up when we were talking about uh, movies that we didn't have great ex- like you know big expectations for, but it really surprised us. But I wanted to throw out some love for uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife because I knew that'd probably be the only point to talk about that one. Uh, mm-hmm. But I liked it a lot. I really liked all, a lot of the performances. I like uh, basically it cuts back and forth between present day and the 1960s, and I thought it did that very well. It both eras felt like you were in the same place, but just different points in time. And I thought Edgar Wright did a really good job of like uh, capturing that. And uh, I also, 
just like the vibe throughout the entire movie and all of the reveals and stuff throughout to me really worked i could understand if maybe they didn't work for other people but they did for me um and even just like the some of the subplots didn't quite come together like i think it could have been better and i'm still i think so far i don't know what it is i don't but i feel like i haven't seen what's going to end up being my number one movie of the year i doubt it right now it is last night in soho but i doubt it stays that way whether it's Spencer, Nightmare Alley, or even a movie I don't expect at all, like Belfast, to come in and uh, take over as my number one. But yeah, that's where I'm at right now. It's just like a lot of the uh, various aspects and the writing and stuff uh, worked for me. I don't know what it could get come nomination time. I could see it, you know, getting blanked and just come back with zero nominations, but I could also see it kind of sneak in and maybe get like a special effects nomination or. Uh, a costume design or whatever nomination uh, at the end of it. I, I don't expect to see it probably for Best Picture because it's not getting any of that type of buzz, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I I could see um, possibly an Oscar nomination for either Thomas and McKenzie or Anya Taylor-Joy. I don't know if they have enough in the movie to like really be showy to mm-hmm. give you those. Um, and it is, at the end of the day, kind of a horror movie, and those kind of get overlooked by the Oscars. Um, but yeah, that one, I think if it, if, it, if anything, maybe, uh, screenplay, uh, gets nominated, um, for that one, uh, at the very least. But I, I think that has some shots at Oscar stuff, even though I wasn't as into it as, as you were. My thoughts and feelings on, on last night in Soho were summarized very well by, I'll bring it up again. I think you should leave the best show on Netflix. There's a skit where it's a play on, walk hard or it's not walk hard um walk the line where you know the the guy behind the glass and this band is performing and he says you know no one likes gospel like that's what everyone's playing now we want to hear something different so then you know the guy strings up a tune he says you want something different he starts singing and the producer behind the glass is really into it and it's the day that robert Patton shot me down and it's very similar to like a johnny cash song and the producer behind the glass is looking and he's super into it. And then all of a sudden Tim Robinson joins in because the guy says, follow my lead. And he jumps in and starts singing. Well, it was also the day the skeletons came to life and said, uh, you know, and, and just the whole skit is this good song. And then Tim Robinson singing about worms and zombies and um, they, the skeletons came to life. And at the end, he's like, what the hell were you doing, man? Like he liked what I was doing. And he's like, I thought he asked for something spooky. <laughs> that is my thoughts and feelings on last night in Soho. It felt like a movie that I would have been super into um, and told the right story and had every beat that I was looking for. And then someone took a note and said, make it spooky. And then they made it a horror movie because none of the horror aspects really worked for me, but everything else did. So I was so drawn like back and forth, back and forth the whole time of like, I really love this. Like I, I love everything of Thomas and McKenzie going to the past and the mirror uh, stuff with her and Anya Taylor Joy was amazing, and then as soon as it started being a horror movie, I was like, "None of this works for me. It doesn't make sense to the rest of the movie. I don't understand what's happening here." That is my best analogy for my thoughts on Last Night in Soho. Um, Tristan, you weren't as into it as me. All right, you weren't as into it as Joe. Like I, like me, you had similar thoughts and feelings. I think, um, but what what were your general genuine like reactions uh, to last night in Soho. Yeah. After hearing that, I think I was into it more than you were a bit, Johnny, uh, <laughs> probably in the middle of between the, you guys, I wasn't as enamored with it as Joe was. I think 
I love the style of it, and I love that it didn't immediately blast you with Edgar Wright kind of overbearing, really loud style right from the beginning. Like it starts you, it starts you out with this very traditional story of this girl going out to Paris on this whim that she wants to go to this fashion school and follow her dreams as a fashion designer in London. London, I'm sorry, and London, of course, because it's Soho. And yeah, uh, yeah but she goes, she's going to London on this on this dream, and then it kind of slowly turns sour, and it becomes not what she expected, and she starts to wonder, oh, should I have gone home and she moves into this apartment by herself and starts to see these kind of visions of the past. And I really liked the setup of this. I thought the whole first act was really fascinating and I was really getting into it. And as the horror was building, I thought it was really a nice touch Redker right? That as the horror built, he gave more and more of his personal style to it. So as she was losing her touch on reality, it was becoming more and more of like an Edgar Wright, zany, loud kind of jumpy movie as, so you're kind of losing touch on on the tracking of the story as much as she is too. So it really kind of put you in the head of the character. So I like the subjectivity of that filmmaking, but I thought ultimately the story and the themes of the movie got really lost. I don't want to spoil how the movie ultimately plays out with the twists and things like that, but he's trying to make this statement about like the role that women play in, in especially in like the Hollywood in the, in the, in the art scene you know he's saying oh they're putting these roles they can't really be themselves they can't really add complexity they just got to play these like these roles that men provide for them and then in his own movie it feels like every female character is is this very one-dimensional character like he doesn't seem to say that that's that hollywood is wrong for that portrayal like he, he has these side characters that are oh the mean girl and then like the the ditzies that follow her around and are like oh you're so smart and cool and i was thinking like Oh, surely in this type of movie that's very trying to be feminist and trying to say like, oh, women are more than movies make them out to be. We're going to in the end see that these girls are more than we see them in the first scene. But then in the last scene, they're exactly the same as they were in the first scene. And I was just like, well, that's a missed opportunity here. And I feel like the movie just felt like a a good amount of missed opportunities and the good ideas that he kind of tried to splat at the wall that he never quite figured out what to do with. So a really strong setup, a lot of ideas that he tries to throw into it. And by the end, I was just kind of, confused of what he was trying to say with the movie at all <laughs> but yeah. definitely entertaining i had a, i had a better time with it than i think johnny did i had a good time with it because the performances were engaging i thought um thompson mckenzie and uh um anya jeller joy were both so captivating every time they were on screen that i was really into everything they did i'm a sucker for anything that diana rigg is in obviously shout out to honor Majesty's secret service um, so I, I was happy to see that she was the old lady who owned the apartment. Um, but yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun, like guessing, like what was going to come next. I thought some of it was predictable, but some of it went in directions that I didn't expect. So I, I liked that. Um, so there was definitely aspects that I really liked, but I just thought overall, I agree with Tristan of like the first 15 minutes of the movie when it's her adjusting to London and these girls being mean girls. I thought that was like unbearable. I I thought those, I can't stand movies that are written that are so clearly written by like old out of touch men that are trying to be written for young people that I was just like, none of this writing is believable. Nothing of what these characters are saying is actually what they'd say or do in these scenarios. But I was happy when that got, like that went away and then the rest of the movie is not like that. Everything else is 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 really good and well acted and, and pretty well written. But I just didn't see the, the horror aspects of it didn't work for me as far as the story that it was trying to tell. I think it just kind of instead of like what it should have done was 
really push along what the movie was trying to say. I thought having that horror stuff just distracted from the actual message of the film. So I, I ended up in the same place Tristan did of, I don't know what this movie was trying to tell me or say, or, you know, bring in anything new. I think like, I, I mentioned this in our group chat after I watched it, but I think it would be more effective maybe for me if Promising Young Woman didn't do everything better, like yep. so recently of the story that it was telling. Um, Cause that really came across as, you know, we're getting this message through and we're going to hammer it to you, but it'll still be a good movie. I think this tried to do something a little similar, but just didn't work. And I think some of that is promising a woman was made by a female and told from a female perspective. And that's who directed the film. And this was told by a man and he can, you know, we can only, we can be as, you know, supportive of women as we, as we can and stuff like that, but we don't know that perspective. And I think that kind of hindered the movie. I think it would have been stronger if Edgar Wright pitched this and then a different director, maybe a female director took over and told that story. I think it would have come across a little more genuine than it did. It just kind of felt like to me, disingenuous um what it was trying to actually tell and i mean at the end of the day like i'd give this a fresh review in rotten tomatoes but it'd be like a three out of five instead of like a five out of five definitely fresh um that sounds like more of like where joe was with it but i recommend it like i think people should check it out i think bobby would like it i think he might yeah. be more into it than i than i was but i don't know if you're going to be as high on it as joe was i think you're yeah. going to fall more in between maybe where tristan um i mean tristan and i I sound a little harder on it, but I'm probably right around the same. Like if Tristan and I rated it, it'd probably be right around the same thing. Um, but I think Bobby might be more in between us and Joe. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I do want to see it. Um, I'm a fan of Edgar Wright. Uh, I like a lot, most of his movies quite a bit. So um, I'd like to see his, his kind of foray into horror. But um, it looked good. Um, it, I mean, at least the trailers, like it made it look interesting and stylish and very much of what I would expect Edgar Wright to do. So um, I want to see it and I'd be curious to see how it, how it ranks, but my, my expectations for it are probably, you know, it's a middle of the pack. Um, like there's good and there's bad, but it depends on where it hits you. Like if it, if it's, if the story strikes you, strikes you well, then it's going to be, you know, and the, and like you said, the message Tristan, where you think it gets muddled, if that hits you better then you're going to like it a lot more, I think. So I'm curious to see. And for me, I think with a lot of movies, like for whatever reason, I have the unfortunate talent of being able to predict like reveals and twists into movies. Like with Arrival, like 10 minutes into the movie, I realized what the reveal was going to be in The Accountant, same thing, like 20, 30 minutes in. I'm like, oh, I, 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 I figured that out. And with this, if a movie can be a step ahead of me until they actually want me to know the reveal, it always... Um, surprise. If a reveal can surprise me and catch me off of guard, I tend to enjoy a movie more and this one i thought i knew where it was going and then they hit me with the reveal and i was like oh i was way off on that one so yeah i think it that is probably my favorite thing that this one did is it kept you guessing throughout i don't think i mean i think some of the stuff like like joseph like i like trying to figure out the movie before the actual twist like i just watched old and i was kind of trying to do that the whole time shout out to old it was it was better than i expected it didn't blow me away, but I had a lot of fun with it. But, sorry. Um, yeah, with uh, Last Night in Soho, it has some stuff that I guessed and some stuff that I had no idea what was coming. So I, I kind of liked figuring some of the stuff out, feeling like I was ahead of the movie, and then the movie 
goes in certain directions and you don't exactly see it coming. So I like that aspect of it. Um, so it's, it's definitely a fun watch. I, I don't think it's as, it doesn't have as much depth as it tries to have. So it brings it down for me for that, but it's definitely worth a watch. Um, the other movie that I wanted to bring up, I think the only other person here who's seen it is Tristan, but one of my favorite movies of the year so far was The Green Knight. Um, it was one that, again, like kind of a critical darling, but I haven't seen a lot of uh, buzz around it, especially with like Oscar stuff coming up. But I really thought Dev, uh, Dev Patel is worthy of an Oscar uh, nomination for this. And I thought, like I said, like it, it's some of the best practical like makeups and makeup and stuff like that. Um, so I, I think that is a category that it should be nominated. But I think it's a kind of a dark horse for David Lowry to be um, possibly nominated for best director. Cause I think he should, but Tristan, what were your thoughts on, uh, on the green Knight? Because as much as I liked it, I think you were even higher on it than me. Yeah, I absolutely love the green Knight. Uh David Lowry is one of those directors that he'll do the, he'll do a ghost story. That's really kind of like artsy abstract movie. And then he'll do something like super studio. So you never really know what to expect going in. And this kind of, I think bridges the middle of both, you know, this is not as nearly to the level of ghost story where you don't know what's going on and it's all about like, oh, it's a poem, it's a tone, it's this and that. And this actually has a through line, a plot with characters that like go from A to B and you can figure out what's happening as you're watching it. So I think this kind of shows his his ambition that he showed in Ghost Story, but also a lot of his more realistic, realistic kind of, okay, what I want people to actually watch this kind of thing. So it follows this character who's a, a knight from King Arthur's table. Uh, and he's on this uh, quest to prove himself and to hunt down this green knight that only appears on Christmas. So he kind of goes across. Uh, he kind of goes across the the wilderness and on the hunt for this green knight. And we follow not just his journey and who he meets along the way, but also kind of his mental state and his the exploration of. We mentioned a bit earlier how like uh, last night in Soho tries to you know, a lot of movies on this list honestly try to explore like toxic, toxic masculinity and like the perspective of that. And I think this tackles that really well. I think this brings on like, what is the mindset of someone who goes off and does this big glorious mission to prove himself as the best thing of all time. And I like in the beginning of the movie, before he goes off on this mission, he's kind of just slacking around and laying around and kind of just doing nothing. And he's like, well, I don't need to really do that much work because eventually I'm just going to be the the best of all time because I'm going to go hunt down the green knight. And it's like, he has this entitlement to himself that he has this one mission and that's all he has to do. And I love that movie kind of dives into the trip, trippiness of that with really strange visuals, but also had like a through line of a story and an adventure to it and action and kind of thrills. And so I think it appeals to both kind of a demographics of the artsy kind of guy and also kind of the studio kind of guy. So I think this potentially could, it did, I don't know if it did great in the box office, but this definitely uh, had a conversation around it. And I think it's one that could be like one of your, if you're, if you're not quite into the RC movie, this could be one that you watch that could kind of introduce you to some of the ideas and some of the themes without actually having you like dive into anything crazy. Yeah. I, I, uh, I never checked out a ghost story, but I know Tristan really likes that. But after seeing The Green Knight, I'm really interested to check out David Lowry's other work. So I'm definitely going to watch that. Um, I don't know if it's free on streaming, so I'll probably wait for it to be. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, I just think it's it's super fun. Like you don't, it's not exactly the most fun tone, but you have a lot of fun watching it, and it has really good performances. All the side characters that it introduces are are really good. I thought. Um, 
I'm blanking on her name, but the girl that was in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier has a small role mm. in this, and she's awesome and in solo. it. Solo. Um, and Solo, yeah. Erin uh, Kellyman. She's she's great. She's in one scene, and it's one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. I thought she was really good. Um, so I, I highly recommend The Green Knight. I think it's one, like Tristan said, like even if you aren't super into kind of indie movies and movies that um, don't tell your typical like through line um, type of movies. This is a good one for you to kind of break you into that, you know, watch the green Knight and then check out the lighthouse, you know, don't watch the lighthouse first. Cause you might be super confused and not know what's happening the whole time. But I, I think this is a good one for that. Um, and I know, I know Bobby would like it and I think Joe would like it uh, as well. So you guys should definitely watch that. Yeah. Bobby, I have the Blu-ray. If you want me to bring it to Thanksgiving, you can yeah, borrow sure. it. If you have, if you um, own any movies you think I would want to see, bring it to Thanksgiving. I will <laughs> yeah, say too, sure. if yeah. you enjoyed the Green Knight and you want to watch a ghost story, it is on a little-known streaming service you might have heard called Netflix. So. Oh hell yeah, it's on Netflix. I didn't even know that. Netflix has the worst, like, actual homepage to find anything you're interested in. So I never actually search for movies on there. But it's people just, complain like, about the HBO app, but I feel like Netflix is like the least user friendly app on the face of the earth. Like it's impossible 100%. to find anything interesting. Yeah, Amazon Prime is my go-to because that one is the one that I find movies on the easiest. But half the time I end up renting something on Amazon Prime, then realizing it's free on another streaming service. Um, so before we end things, I just want to go around and see what's a movie maybe we haven't brought up that you'd like to give a shout out to or have a quick discussion about. And then uh, we'll kind of end it. Cause we kind of did our Oscar predictions um, as best we could uh, with like movies. We'd be you know surprised if they don't. I do think Dune is a lock for a best picture nomination. And I do agree with Bobby. The one that I, I, it wouldn't shock me. So I didn't bring it up, but I'd be surprised if Rebecca Ferguson doesn't get a best supporting actress nomination um, as Bobby mentioned. So Bobby, anything that you've seen, um, cause we've kind of talked about some of the indie movies, anything that you watched this year that we haven't brought up that you, uh, that you enjoyed or just want to kind of see what everyone else thinks about it. Yeah. I mean, not a, there's there's only a couple on my list that we haven't actually brought up at least briefly, but um, I liked Shang Chi a lot. Uh, that's one we kind of just kind of touched on a, a little bit. Um, like you said, I think I, the before it gets a little bit too kind of CG heavy at the end, it's it's a mm-hmm. lot better. But it's still I still did enjoy the ending and and the way it didn't fall into the yep. Black Panther third act for me. Like I still really did enjoy the the fight um, at the end and and kind of the the mystical things they bring in uh so i thought that was good um we didn't bring up even though we had a very long discussion on this movie um before Zack snyder's justice league i really yep. did enjoy that um Banger. more way more than i thought i would and i know tristan and i are a lot higher on that than, than johnny and joe yeah, but that um, definitely that was um, adequate but it four hours yeah. of it makes it worse it's no right. space jam yeah it is no space but jam. um yeah i mean that's We've we touched on most of the other ones that that I really enjoyed. I mean, I think you know some of my favorites of the year would be like you know Dune, uh, No Time to Die. Uh, I really liked In the Heights um, and that. So you know, I I, I want to catch up on a lot of the movies that you guys have been talking about. But uh, you know, um, I think that's pretty much all I have for as far as twenty twenty one movies right now. Yeah, I think uh, like I said, I don't know. I feel like Jen does Jen like a good western. You ever watched the um, with her? It depends. Uh, 
if it's an old school western probably more than uh some of the grittier new ones like she'd probably enjoy more john wayne westerns i got it so i super recommend i think you two should watch news of the world for sure okay um that's one that i haven't we haven't really talked about but i i was pleasantly surprised by everyone everyone i've ever talked to about that movie said oh it's boring and then i watched it and i was like how the fuck is this movie boring like it's actually more fast-paced than i expected um tom hanks is great in it it's great to see him in a western and the the, the little girl in the movie is incredible i think you okay. and jen really like that and that's for free on hbo max but then if you want to rent a movie I think both of you would like Old Henry a lot. Um, that's okay. one I, I brought up, but I, I think that's one that you two could watch together for sure. Um, right. But the uh, the one that I, I just want to kind of give a shout out to, because we, we have talked about it a little bit in our previous shows, but um, I feel like it, because so many movies have come out since, no one's really talking about Mortal Kombat anymore. Mortal Kombat was so much fun. Like I get that it's not a very well-directed film and it's, got some issues and people kind of hate on it a little bit like but if you like mortal kombat the game you're gonna like the movie i think it had a lot of great moments um yeah the lead character is probably the worst part of the film and that's an issue but everything else in it everything with scorpion and sub-zero is awesome um i love the fight sequences so i I think mortal kombat i'm higher on than most people are because i just have such a uh, deep connection to the franchise but i'm so excited i really hope they make a second one and i think it could be so much better than the than the first one it could actually be like an actual movie that people talk about as a legitimate great action movie if they go forward with the direction they went they kind of introduced a lot of stuff in this one and it does have some lulls but if you go into the next one and it just brings in more and more characters like if i can check out mortal Kombat if you haven't seen it and you like a good uh a solid action movie uh with some good fight scenes um, and the other action movie that I think is something that no one really talks about was The Wrath of Man. I'm not that big on Jason Statham movies as a whole, but I thought that was probably my favorite Jason Statham movie and Guy Ritchie's hit or miss, but it was the best movie I've seen from Guy Ritchie since Snatch. So I, I really liked both of those. If you like a good action flick, um, as well as Nobody. If you if you uh, watch Pig and you're disappointed you didn't get your John Wick ripoff, then then go check out Nobody because that's exactly what it is and it does it pretty well. Shout out to Christopher Lloyd because he's the most fun part of that movie. Joe, anything you've seen this year um, that we that we haven't talked about that yeah. either maybe it's the worst movie you've seen or a great movie that you just think. Well, if you uh, want to know, hear about the worst about. movie I've seen, go watch our Disney Plus uh, <laughs> uh, weekly review from Disney Plus Day, and you'll hear me talk about home sweet home alone which i will say um is the best possible version of a direct to disney plus home alone remake but that is a very very low ceiling uh however a movie i do want to talk about that we haven't touched on uh one of the things we were bringing up is a locks for uh, uh nominations i talked about mitchell's versus the machines which i think hopefully would will be a lock for uh Best Animated Picture, and another movie I think is a lock along with Luca, but Luca's only going to get nominated because it's a Pixar movie and not the actual quality of the film. But uh, Riot and the Last Dragon, which came out at the beginning of the year, Mm -hmm. uh, is a really, really good uh, Disney animated uh, movie set kind of in a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, 
at the end um well there's the prologue in the beginning and then after that it's like this post-apocalyptic world of this girl trying to uh save her kingdom and it's uh voiced by kelly marie tran and she has her dragon companion voiced by aquafina and it's just a really fun uh movie that i enjoyed quite a bit and i would say you know if you're a fan of animated movies or if you have kids uh definitely check out ryan the last dragon yeah i totally agree i really liked ryan the last dragon i think that would be a lock for my favorite animated movie of the year if Mitchell's versus yeah, Machines yeah. didn't come out. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think I could I wouldn't be surprised. Like Mitchell's versus the Machines, there's no reason that should not win Best Animated Film. But I, I think if Ryan the Last Dragon wins, it's just because that has the Disney money behind it and it has more of a, a push and more people will probably see it. But Netflix still has a budget too, so I, I, I think Netflix um, really doesn't have a live action movie to push, so I could see them just going all in on Mitchell's versus the Machines for animation. Well, they they oh the movie we haven't really discussed that's coming out is The Power of the Dog. Um, I think Tristan is the only one of us who's seen it, but I think that's another one that Benedict Cumberbatch seems like a lock at this point for Best Actor nomination, and that film is going to get Oscar buzz, and that's going to be Netflix's big uh, uh, big film to to shoot for for sure. I think so. But between that and everything else they've done, it's right. It's uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines and Power of the Dog are their two Oscar movies. Yeah, I can talk for a second about Power of the Dog. I think it definitely is going to be a big Oscar movie. It had a lot of Oscar buzz going in. Jane Campion is a really big name among like the indie film crowd, and she only, she only makes movies like a handful of times, like every couple of years. One of those kind of directors where so when she comes back, it always feels like an event, you know. And, this feels like one that reached beyond like the Criterion Collection buying crowd and into like the actual people who talk about movies <laughs> and like critics and, and and stuff like that. So it feels like something that could actually have some impact. And yeah, the performances, especially Reddit Cumberbatch, but I think uh, you can see a lot of supporting love out here too. Jesse Plummet is very good in it. Kristen Dunst is very good in it. But the 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 star of the show is definitely Cumberbatch, and he plays this kind of cowboy, this dirty cowboy role really well. And you think talk about westerns. This is uh, definitely like a neo western, and where Heart of They Fall had this kind of larger than life fun element to it. This is the opposite. It's like the, the lonely, isolationist, like kind of existential dread of the West type of movie, <laughs> and that's a little bit more of my speed of a western, I guess. Where like you're living in a place you probably should not be in as a human being, and like what does that do to your soul? <laughs> type of movie, yeah. and I think this was a great one. Uh, and I think Netflix also has another movie to push, one that we didn't talk about. In here, but one that I have pretty high on my list is Passing. Uh, Rebecca Hall, I think, has an outside shot at a director nomination here. It's her first time directing. She's obviously been an actress for a while, but this is her directorial debut. And for her first movie, I was shocked by how well directed it is. Like, I don't think the movie itself is going to blow a lot of people away story wise or anything like that, but I think it's a black and white movie. It's shot to kind of look like a movie that came out back in the, in the 1950s in a way because the story is set in that era and it's about uh, a black woman who runs into one of her friends from school who is also a black woman but is now living as a white woman. You know, she's kind of lightened her skin is, and is living in society as if she's white and is blended in and is now passing as a white person. And it gets into the complexity of that relationship and like the complexities of race and where is the line of that divide? Like what is the divide between a black person and a white person? And in the reality of biology, there's not really a line at all. It's just one that society has, has deemed somewhere, you know, and they kind of last ask the questions without giving any answers of where that line is. And I think that's going to be troubling for people who want a, a complete answer. But similar to the book, it's very ambiguous. And I think 
the direction could be one that gets a lot of love. I think Ruth Niga could be uh, a supporting actress potential nomination. I think this could be one that gets some Academy love, especially in the nomination side. So yeah, those are going to be Netflix's two big drama drama pushers, I think. Yeah, they'll. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot about passing, and and that's on my watch list. I got to check that out, and I probably will soon because I want to see a bunch of 2021 films, and that's that's obviously available on Netflix uh, without any you know extra purchases uh, like some of the Amazon or uh, Disney Plus type stuff. Um, I will say just before we sign off because I haven't really. I, I brought it up because Winston Duke should be nominated for Best Actor, but I don't think he will. I watched Nine Days um, yesterday, and it's it's a masterpiece. I, I, I think it's a movie that it's not going to work for everyone because it doesn't have your typical flow of like what everyone is looking for in a movie, but it's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen in terms of just the story that it's telling, the performances that it has, the, the love of um, that it that it just shows through the characters and questions about humanity and the world as a whole. I, I think Nine Days is is such a unique, really creative film. It's my favorite sci-fi film since Ex Machina, um, and and that one is one I'd recommend to anyone. Um, I think everyone on this podcast would really would really like it. Um, so Nine Days, check it out. It's it's. Still, I think like 20 bucks to rent on Amazon Prime, but it's totally worth it. And and it's a movie that you can watch with anyone. And I think, you know, if someone's not a huge movie person, maybe they get bored by it because it's not like fast paced and there's not a lot of actual like action or stuff that happens. But it's just one of the most well-written, well-directed, um, great looking and and well-acted movies that, I, that I've seen in, in a while. So check out Nine Days. I, I was... Uh, I saw the trailer and I was intrigued and I watched the movie and I was blown away. So nine days right now is sitting at my number one of the year. And I want people to, uh, to check that out for sure. Johnny, have you seen uh, defending your life? Cause I was just looking at the uh, plot of it and it's, I mean, it's similar. It's, it sounds similar yet different than that. I wondered if there was any similarity to that and like tone of the movie or anything, but to what film? Sorry. Uh, defending your life. Well, cause this one, it's, Basically, the plot, according to Google, is uh, nine souls are interviewed, and like one of them will get put into a body. Where defending your life is Albert Brooks' movie. He's just died. It's got Meryl Streep in it, and it's basically like here's all the clips from your life, um, or like important moments of your life, and you have to like defend your clips and explain like why you should get into heaven. Okay, so yeah, I just I just that I've never heard of it, but I I want to check it out. I'd say just looking at the premise of defending your life, the biggest difference for this is these people aren't put on trial. They're not judged based on things they've done or haven't done. It's what do you observe about life? Watching other people live. What do you think of earth? What are your biggest takeaways? Um, What is your strengths and weaknesses as a person and as an individual based on solely observations about life that you've never lived? Um, I think that stuff is more probably in depth than something, um, you know, that defending your life probably brought up, but I, I do want to check that out now and I'm adding it to my watch list because I've never heard of that movie, but I love Albert Brooks. So I got to check that out for sure. One movie this year that I want to recommend quickly before we stop is uh, Shiva baby. It's in my top 10 of the year, oh, but yeah. it's definitely going to go really under the radar of most people. So I wanted to bring it up. It's, we talked a lot about first time directors today, honestly, but uh, this is from, 
Emma Seligman. She did. She's done like short films. Never heard of her before. But this was her first feature based on a short film she made of the same name, and and follows this college uh, student who's like in the middle of her finals, and she leaves school to go to uh, a shiva, which is like a, a party you have after a funeral uh, when you're Jewish. So she's going to this big family party for her shiva, uh, not her shiva, but for uh, a shiva, and it's kind of if you, we mentioned earlier like a good time and. And uncut gems, or as it's like uncut anxiety, like this constant tension. It's very loud, and it's kind of like you're always in this character's head, and it's not quite a likable character, but like you enjoy watching them be unlikable in some ways. Like they're just terrible to people around them in some ways, but they're fun to watch, and you relate to their anxiety, and it really gets you into the head of this character. And I thought it was a really great debut from that director, and I'm really curious to see what she'll do next. I think if this kind of puts her on the radar, it could be one that takes off among the the film scene so it's free on hbo and it's like less than 90 minutes i think so it's easy it's easy to get through and it's just essentially she goes to this party and she's very overwhelmed with her life and you know she's right at the end of college not quite sure what to do next with her life she she just recently went through a breakup so she's kind of lost with that too and of course her ex is at the party because everybody you know always comes to the shiva so it's like your whole family all your friends are all there and she's kind of dealing with all these people who are asking her questions, you know, Oh, what are you doing next? What's up for you after school? And what's your career plans? And what happened to that girl you were seeing? And, Oh, are you seeing someone now? And it's kind of like the, the constant growing, growing anxiety of that experience is something that this movie did a great job portraying. So I'll put that on my list for sure. One that I think people need to watch. Yeah, that's one. Um, I watched the trailer and you feel the anxiety and the tension just from the trailer. So that's one I'm definitely going to check out uh, soon. Maybe tonight. So with that, I don't know if anyone else has final words, any final movies, anything we have brought up that you want to recommend. But otherwise, I think we've yeah, said everything we need to say about 2021. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, check out the movies uh, we recommended. If you if we recommended a movie, if you, you know heard of a movie for the first time because of us and you watch it, and you like it. Uh, tweet at us at Movie Change Up or any of our individual handles or if you want if we recommended a movie and you thought it sucked uh just keep that opinion to yourself i don't need your negativity <laughs> in my life so uh come fun, at me yeah yeah Send it to Ed Johnny Johnny. Johnny. yeah yeah if without... you watch any of these and you don't like it uh, and it's not one that i said i don't like come at me or if you like a movie and i don't like a rival tweet at me because <laughs> i'll fight you <laughs> johnny's always gonna pull out a bad take randomly at the end of the episode <laughs> all right without further ado not a fan uh, of Goodbye.